Smart politics for stupid times. Welcome to the unprecedented podcast with John Aravosis and Cliff Schechter. Welcome back, everybody. It's Thursday, April 22nd. Uh, John Aravosis here with Cliff Schechter, <clears throat> having allergies, hey, John, as always. You have a frog in your throat, or are you? I have allergies. I always have you. allergies. <laughs> God, I feel like Bill Clinton. It's like four times a year I'm the allergy man. Anyway, uh, today, speaking of health, speaking of healthcare, uh, Cliff and I are very happy to have Charles Gabba with us, who is the I say that as a proud Midwesterner. Are you Gabba? Are you Gabba? Uh, we always pronounce with a long A, but for all I know, we're the ones yeah. getting it wrong. You know, well, yeah, you're Michigan. I'm in Ohio, so knows, and, yeah. and John's from from Chicago. We all do the long A. Gabba. Charles Gabba. Uh, founder of ACA Signups, a healthcare policy analysis blog devoted to tracking all things ACA, meaning the Affordable Care Act, meaning Obamacare, uh, and healthcare policy overall. He started ACA Signups when nobody was really tracking uh, Obamacare implementation. Uh, Paul Krugman ended up using Charles's numbers, a lot of other people. Basically, initially, Charles, I guess you were looking at just the number of signups per state people signed up for Obamacare. I know at one point, uh, I started looking at your stuff because you were tracking or you are tracking state by state how much premiums might be going up and how much different insurance companies are proposing to go up per state for their health insurance. So lots of really good data and which we're going to get into in a moment. You were also uh, you've been f- tracking things such as the Affordable Care Act case in the Supreme Court that we're going to talk about in a second as well. So welcome. And past affordable, past cases in the Supreme Court because they keep trying. Uh, <laughs> yes. Welcome, Charles. Thank you for being here. Uh, yes, thank, thank you. Thank you both. And now a word from our sponsor. Hey, everybody. I know I speak for Cliff and me in saying that we are so Definitely glad me. that Bill. Sorry? Definitely me. Definitely, Cliff, that we are so glad that Bill Press is still out there on the left, stronger than ever. Right now, he's using his progressive voice in the Bill Press Pod, his new podcast. The Bill Press Pod is up twice a week, an in-depth interview with a major newsmaker on Tuesday, plus his lively end of the, lively, I tell you, end of the week roundtable with three of Washington's top political reporters digging deep on the latest craziness from the GOP, the massive voter suppression bills in the states, and the Democrats' fight to keep control of Congress in 2022. So I encourage you to join me in subscribing to the Bill Press Pod. It's a must listen for all progressives. To sign up, just go to wherever you go for podcasts, search for the Bill Press Pod, click on subscribe, and then tell your friends to do the same. Take it from us. We follow the Bill Press Pod, and so should you. And now back to our show. So let's just jump in with the ACA one. Um, I think, you know, Cliff and I were talking before the show, and I think uh, it's funny. I don't want to knock Andy Slavitt, but sometimes Andy, I think, is like operating at 40,000 feet in the air. And I read his stuff, and I'm always going, I don't understand. <laughs> he definitely like, only has like 14 grad degrees and speaks 75 languages. It, so I'm sure the rest of you could understand it really easily. If John no, but it's really true, though, Cliff. Like, he'd have these 25 Twitter thread tweet things, and I'd just be going, fucking about it. And it's not because it was dumb. It's because it was too smart. So uh, be smart, but assume that we're not experts, okay, on all the stuff we're talking about today. Um, let's start with the ACA court case. Um, Obamacare was challenged previously in the Supreme Court, in the courts, went all the way to the Supreme Court, and now it's back to the Supreme Court again. Do you want to tell people briefly what that previous case was and what this case is? Well, uh, I'm not sure which previous case you're referring to because there's several of them, but but, uh, there have been a few, there have been two other- The individual mandate being struck down, I was thinking of, but go on. Okay, well, that that is the current case. That, That is the current case. Uh, there have been several 
previous cases oh, that, have sorry, also right. been, yeah. that, that have also been high profile. Yeah. Um, the two that are probably the most well known it was there was one in 2012, you know, shortly after it was filed, basically right after the law was passed and, and, right. and signed, but it, it was decided in 2012. That was the uh, National Federation of Independent Business, NFIB versus Abelius. That was the one that basically was trying to take down the entire law. Uh, and uh, the and, and it was based, ironically, it was also based on the individual mandate. Right. Uh, I think there were some other things as well. And in that one, the Supreme Court ended up ruling that the ACA was uh, constitutional, but uh, number one, it ruled that Medicaid expansion, which was supposed to be mandatory across every state under the law, it had to be voluntary in the part of each state. So each individual state had had to voluntarily, you know, either through executive order by the governor or legislation or ballot proposal, you know, whatever, that it had to choose to expand Medicaid under the ACA. It couldn't be forced upon them. Um, and that's the reason why you still have a dozen states that have been holding out, like, you know, eight years later. Um, it also ruled that the individual mandate was constitutional, at, but that it was it was considered a tax, not a fee or not, or not a penalty or whatever. Um, and that's the way that it was considered to be constitutional. That actually connects to the current case, but I'll get to that in a moment. The next uh, sort of high profile case um, that struck at the heart of the ACA was uh, called King versus Burwell, and that was in twenty uh, was decided in twenty fifteen. Uh, it, actually, the, the announcement was made on the same day as Ogerfell. Um, I'm sorry, what was the one about uh, regarding same uh, same sex yes, marriage? Yes, Ogerfell. Yeah, actually, Ogerfell from, from Southwest Ohio here, where the marriage Ooh, took place. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, that they were announced at the same time, and the King versus Burwell case that had to do with whether or not the subsidies for the ACA were constitutional. For states that are uh, that have their ACA coverage, um, okay. where you enroll through healthcare.gov instead right. of their own individual, like I most. Think what states, Charles is trying to say, these all already into yeah. the Republicans were trying to be assholes. Yeah, and were essentially <laughs> sorry, but but clearly yeah. they were looking for what they thought were the most unpopular parts of of the Affordable Care Act, and then drumming up a legal, you know, like, like a, a legal idea or whatever, making it their own idea legally. Uh, of right, John, yeah, of what on. they yeah, yeah. of what they thought you know uh, what they thought would be passable with their with their justices right so it's like essentially they're just trying to take the damn thing yeah out. and and the 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 King versus Burwell case was pre until today it was the most ridiculous case to ever make to the Supreme Court because it was based on a on on a a half of a sentence essentially right and anyway so the Supreme Court saved the ACA a second time in that one. Right. Uh, the current case is it's been alternately called uh, Texas versus uh, the U.S., Texas versus Azar. Now it's called California versus Texas, whatever. The names changed a lot, but I call it the Texas Fulham case. And uh, basically, this one is now the most ridiculous case I've ever. It's heard. the AG there, the the corrupt right, <laughs> Paxton, right? Who's like uh, under right, indictment right, or Paxton. whatever. I mean. Yeah. Yeah, this is this is a case that was originally brought uh, by uh, Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton, along with about twenty other Republican state right. attorneys general. Josh Hawley, right? Yes, Josh Hawley at the time was the uh, Missouri Attorney General, and he's now the you know now a senator from Missouri. Um, and this one, here's the argument. I'm going to try to simplify this as much as I can. Yeah, 
In December of 2017, when the Republicans still had a complete trifecta, they passed the big fat tax bill, right? Meaning they controlled the Congress and the White House. Right. Yes. And they they passed, they squeezed through a $1.5 trillion corporate tax cut giveaway to corporations and the wealthy that nobody really wanted or needed, well, except for them. Right. (laughs) They're the ones who asked for it. And as part of that- A couple of people were able to get extra yachts and airplanes. Right, right. I should point out that it was helpful to certain- Yes, it helps the yacht. Don't don't mock our yachts. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And as part of that, there's a whole mess of stuff in there. And as part of it, they had spent the whole year of 2017, you know, desperately trying to repeal the ACA. They they couldn't do it. And so finally they gave up on that and said, well, okay, but here's one thing we can do. Uh, Or the, the little booby prize was- that they zeroed out the individual mandate penalty of the ACA. And the individual mandate and its penalty are what exactly? uh, Under the ACA, uh, if you, uh, everyone in the country is required to have ACA compliant healthcare coverage. Now that could mean Medicare, it could mean Medicaid, it could be employer insurance, as long as it's, you know, above a certain threshold. Right. Um, or it could be ACA individual market plans, or what. there's a bunch of different policies, you know, types of policies, but it has to be right. that certain minimum threshold. Right. Uh, it can't. It basically, it's not supposed to be clean. Right. And if you don't, and you do, and you can afford to do so, that is, as long as you're above a certain, you know, affordability threshold, uh, and you choose not to, then there was a a financial penalty right. on to, your taxes. Right. Right. Um, which had been decided that that, that is a tax. Uh, and Republicans hated this, hated, hated, hated this. In fact, to be honest, you know, a lot of a lot of independents and even some Democrats hated it. Okay, but it's you know, it's like a root canal. It's why it's, did we hate uh, it? Why why would some Democrats hate it? Well, some people just don't like being told that if they don't do something, that they have to pay. You know, that they have to pay something. It's, okay, I you know. Um, a lot of people just didn't like it. And so, uh, in 2017, so they so they zeroed that out. Now that's important. They did not repeal. They did not strike out the mandate requirement. Right. What they did was they changed the amount of the penalty, right. which was around $700 per person, down right. to zero. Okay. Okay, they changed it to zero. So you still technically get a penalty, but there is no amount. Of, I didn't know that. Yes, that, that's, that's the core. That's, that's what the entire lawsuit is based on. Okay, hmm. this is, and here's the argument. The right. argument that the Texas Attorney General is making is that because they changed the penalty to zero, but they kept the underlying requirement that that means that there is no penalty and therefore the penalty, uh, therefore the mandate is now unconstitutional and therefore has to be gotten rid of. Hmm. And, and furthermore, Get rid that, of all healthcare. that also means that there's no way that you can't sever that. You can't separate that from the right. rest of the law. Right. Therefore, the entire law has to go. And let me tell people real quick. One issue uh, in constitutional law is if you've got a provision, if it goes to the Supreme Court, for example, and you've got a provision of a law that they deem unconstitutional, they have to decide, Okay, does that mean that we simply strike down that little bit of the law that's unconstitutional, but the rest of the law stands and it's fine? Or do we deem that it's such an intrinsic part of the overall law we're looking at that if we strike down this portion, for example, the individual mandate, we have no choice but to strike down the entire Affordable Care Act. So that's the issue. 
bingo. That that's what the boys are talking about. That, that, that's what the whole thing boils down to. So yeah. there are two questions. Can I ask you one thing real quick on this? Because I read your uh, Charles did a nice uh, summary of the Supreme Court case and the different possibilities on Daily Coast. And one thing you were getting into was wasn't one of the issues here just because you got me thinking about it that uh, that the penalty was so important and frankly. We all believe this. The penalty was so important to the Affordable Care Act because we needed everybody buying health care so that healthy people and unhealthy people would all have health care, not just unhealthy people. Right. If, if it's a choice, then you're going to wait until you get sick. A lot of people, whereas if even healthy people have to buy it, then you have a bigger pool of people. The premiums go down for everybody. What we found was premiums went up, but they didn't go crazy when the penalty went away. So now I'm going to ask you a legal question, though, whether whether you healthcare guys have looked at this. What do you do if the initial assumption was that the penalty was a key part of the law, but now in practice we found out, hey, it wasn't that necessary. Can, it can like. I also throw in an extra part because this is related to that? Yeah. It was also, if I'm correct, and you can, you're the expert, Charles, but it was added in um, because that was part of what convinced pharma to go along with this because they would get all of these new customers by requiring people to sign up so that then they were willing to allow to, to agree to, you know, certain limits like lifetime limits and caps and all the other stuff. I yeah. I, again, I've, I've written about exactly both of those points before. Um, that's the thing is that it's not a simple question to say, is it vital or isn't it? it it's not, it is entirely possible that it was at the time, but it isn't anymore. Right. Uh, for exactly the reason that you just said that, that basically at the time it was the law, you know, the, the, the bill was, was writing, it was right on the edge. They needed to squeeze out every single vote. And then, you know, they needed whatever support they could get. And a lot of the insurance carriers at the time were basically saying you, if you don't include some sort of a man, we, if we don't have some sort of guarantee, there's no way in hell that we can be on board with, you know, with, Oh, right. I'm sorry. Let me just let me put a finer point on it because insurance companies basically said if you want us to give health care to people that have bad health and right. you want to keep the premiums low, then exactly we better, and we better have healthy people who are buying insurance. Now, exactly. this is, if they're going to accept any yeah. limits, whether it's lifetime, yeah. whether it's yearly premiums, anything, right. cost of you know whatever, right. then yeah, you better give us right. a lot of healthy people who are paying premiums too, so we can make some money. Yeah, exactly. And and if you, and the thing is that um, what I would ask people to think about is, for example, auto insurance or homeowners insurance. You can't get a mortgage without homeowners insurance, and there's right. a reason for that because they don't. You know, the bank's not going to give you a loan. You buy a house, and then it, it catches on fire the next day. And right. oh, now give me. You know, Oops, insurance. I can't pay the loan. Yeah, and, or you can't. Same with the cars. You can't drive a car. You know, without car insurance, you can't get into a crash and then call triple and say, now I now I want to buy. You know, right. insurance. So, but what if I'm in favor of freedom and I feel like that's an encroachment on my freedom and I should be able to do any single? Again, this gets into the whole broader sort of argument, which I think is important. When we talk Michigan politics; it's relevant to what's going on there. That the Republicans went from at least claiming to be the party of responsibility to the party right. of anarchy. It feels good. Remember they used to accuse the hippies of that in the 60s? Now that's the right. Feels good? Do it. You don't want to get a vaccine? Do it. You don't want to wear a mask? You want to carry around an assault weapon? You want to not get health care? Awesome. Now, 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 having said that, as, uh, as John, as you noted, what ended up happening was it turned out when they did repeal it, you know, there were predictions that, oh, my God, it's going to cause premiums to spike 30, right. 40, 50, 100 percent. Right. And what ended up happening, because uh, it didn't actually go into effect until January 2019, it, it took another year before it went into effect, is um, premiums, they did jump, but it wasn't 
it wasn't that bad. It, it was a ding, but it wasn't devastating. It went up around six, seven, eight percent on average. I'm talking about maybe six hundred bucks uh, per person per year, which I mean that's not nothing. Don't get me wrong. That's no. You know, Can I add a point? Because I remember reading. I remember reading your stuff on this. You mean it went up six, seven, or eight percent more than it would have yes, gone up? Yes, exactly. Okay, in, some, in some states, it actually dropped that. So year. it's not nothing though, because mine, I think, in DC. I think mine in DC by your calculations was supposed to go up like 10% more than it should have. And another 10% a year is another thousand dollars. It's not, again, it's not, I'm not saying it's nothing. It's just compared to the, Oh my God, the whole thing will fall apart because premium prices will double. And the other thing now, now here's what actually happened for most people, since most of the people who enroll through ACA policies are subsidized anyway, the way the subsidies work, if the premium goes up, the subsidies go up as well. Yeah, although I, speaking as somebody who most of the time never got subsidies on the ACA, it always drove me a little nuts when people would say that because, you know, I've had very rare years that I've made a lot of money. Usually I'm making just enough to get by and just enough to put in my IRA and and just not much savings. And it always drove me a little crazy because I think, honestly, I'll say this to you as somebody who writes about this stuff. Personally, it kind of offends me actually because I'm always seeing people write, it doesn't really matter it went up because only, you know, most people have subsidies and only the rich don't. And I'm like, hello, if you make over 50,000 a year, you know, previously you didn't get a subsidy. That's not rich. And that's exactly what that exact, what you just said is exactly why in the American Rescue Plan, why they, yeah. Uh, they they well, killed the cliff. They got can I ask of- you, uh, Cliff, Cliff, how do you want to do they this? They killed me? One- Would you say? <laughs> yeah, killed, they killed Cliff in the American Don't Rescue Plan. Don't kill you know, one thing, Cliff, I'm trying to think of how we proceed with this, because I, Charles, we need you to explain more of the Supreme Court case. At the same time, I'm already realizing that a little bit of what is the Affordable Care Act 101 would be helpful because we're talking about different provisions of the Care Act. And like right now, we're talking subsidies. Somebody the other day I was talking to literally said to me, what do you mean the ACA gives people tax rebates? Like if they don't pay, if their premium was too much, what are you talking about? And I said, no, oh, yeah. I think it would be good to, yeah. for Charles to explain, uh, you know, what the AC was in term, ACA was in terms of its provisions, what they've succeeded in harming, which he started to do, and also um, what if you want, if you if you know this, and I'm assuming you do, Charles, but you know, what the additional measures that Joe Biden is proposing to do? Yes, yes. To, to I want to say one thing very quickly again because I think this is important for people to understand, mm-hmm. um, which is the individual mandate again. What that came from was a Heritage Foundation policy shop in the early 80s. The individual mandate was originally when the conservatives were pretending to be even at all a responsible party. That was their alternative to either single-payer guaranteed health care, right? They were saying, we don't believe the government should be so involved. So what we'd like to do is this is the mechanism by which we we can have the markets still remain involved. And right. Heritage, it went from Heritage to Mitt Romney adopting it for um, Massachusetts universal health care or close to that. And so that is the whole irony of the fact that they've now chosen that as the thing and to, to go after, which right. is it's a metaphor for who they've become from the folks that, that were a participating political party, but believed in more market involvement right. Right. than what we did to people that just like, fuck it all, tear it down. Right. I will Absolutely. use that to kick to, to, to Charles. Yeah, Char- Charles, would you actually, can I ask you, would you step back a second and maybe, because sure. I, I really thought we should have done that now that I think about it. Tell people a little bit about what the ACA actually is. As I said, I was surprised the other day that folks didn't even know that there were subsidies and things and how they worked. Yeah, and that's, that's that is. And uh, by the way, who who it affects as well, because a lot of people think it's only unemployed and poor people who get benefits 
in any Correct. way benefit from the ACA? Yeah, so the, the thing about the ACA is um, unlike previous large-scale health care you know, policies like Medicare, Medicaid, the children's you know, CHIP, the children's health insurance program, and so forth, those tend to be easier to nutshell. You know, you know Medicare, it's sort of single-payer, mostly for older people, right? Mostly for Medicaid, it's a type of single-payer, mostly for lower-income people, right? Uh, the ACA is more of a Swiss Army knife. You know, you've got the two or three big, big knives that people kind of sort of know about, right? And then you've got a whole bunch, and, and the two big ones are uh, the ACA, the individual market exchanges with the, with the subsidies, which most people, not all, obviously, from what you said, but right. most people have some idea. And then the other big knife is Medicaid expansion, that it, it, it increases the number of people who qualify for Medicaid. But it also has all these other weird little tools, you know, that you know, the Swiss Army, there's all these other weird tools that you don't know what the hell they are. Is that an all? Is it a, a hole punch? What is that, right? It's well, got it's actually, other- it's, actually, but there's the third the third ring of this or whatever rung of this, which is things such as uh, pre-existing conditions, lifetime limits on coverage. Once, if you've got cancer and you spend two million right. bucks on treatment in the old days, you'd lose your insurance. Now they can't do that anymore, right? And that applies exactly. to every American, even if you've got your plan through work. Absolutely, yes. That's you know, that would be the sort of the third uh, big knife, and those and they all sort of work together as a thing. So, but yeah, so the, the main things of the ACA is first of all with Medicaid expansion. That's the easiest to explain. Basically. Before the ACA, uh, in it varied by state, but uh, basically there were certain targeted parts of the population that qualified for Medicaid. If you were a low a low income and you were you know you children, uh, pregnant pregnant women, seniors, uh, if you're disabled, etc. There were different categories, and if your income was up to a certain point, then you qualified for Medicaid. But if you were low income. But you let's say that you're a reasonably healthy or they call they they call it um, there's a term they use for it uh, for for so-called healthy adults, uh, able body. That's the term they use. An able bodied okay. adult <laughs> who, doesn't, who doesn't have children, you know, young children that basically in a lot of states, uh, you it didn't matter if you could make one dollar a year, you could make nothing and you still didn't qualify for Medicaid. <laughs> and so the ACA said. Everyone up to a certain th- income threshold qualifies for Medicaid, regardless. It doesn't matter. Oh, okay, pay. that's interesting. Okay. Um, hmm. It was supposed to go to all 50 states. Instead, uh, 38 states have adopted it, but there are 12 states that still haven't years later. Okay. Um, so that's the big, the first big thing. The second thing, and there's around, uh, it was around 14 or 15 million people on Medicaid through ACA, ACA expansion a year ago. Now it's up to close to 20 million because of the pandemic, of course, okay. because incomes dropped and so forth. The second big one is, again, the ACA exchanges and the subsidies, which is healthcare.gov in most states. Right. There's, there's 15 states that have their own, including DC, you know, that, that have their own uh, website, their own exchange. Right. Um, for themselves. Who uses who uses these exchanges? As a self-employed person, I use them. Cliff, yep. I'm guessing you probably do as a self-employed person. I, I do. Yes. Um, yeah. who, who else uses them? So yeah. So uh, of the entire U.S. population, right, all 330 million of us or so, you got almost half the country has their health insurance through their employer, right? Large corporations, small corporations, you know, small businesses, whatever. Okay. Uh, for the other half, you got a big chunk who are covered through Medicaid, and it's a right. lot more now, of course, because of ACA expansion. 
right. got another big chunk, of course, who, who are covered through Medicare. Right. Uh, then you've got some other oddball. You've, you've got the Indian Health Service. You've got uh, um, veterans, right? That covers yeah, well, well, the, right, the, v, the VA and TRICARE and so forth. Although those technically those are in, uh, employer coverage, right? But hmm. so you've got these various programs. But then you've got uh, there's around 50 million people <clears throat> take who are not covered through any of those sources, either public or private. And for most of those, that's where you fall into the uh, the individual market, which but would kind of, actually be besides self-employed. Who is that though? Besides self-employed, people? Uh, it's two main categories. One is if you're self-employed, as three right. of us are, I guess. Um, the second is if you work for a small employer, because remember the ACA includes an employer mandate. The ACA requires large employers and medium-sized employers to provide healthcare coverage for their oh. full-time workers. Oh, okay, but, I didn't know that. Right. Yes, yes, that's another one of those one of those knives. Right. Um, but if you work for a small business under 50 empl- full-time employees, they are not required to. Now, some of them do, but some of them don't, right? right. So if you work for a small business that doesn't provide healthcare coverage, then that's, you would be looking at the individual market or the ACA exchange. So there are, so to put a finer point, so there are small businesses. I actually met some people that I didn't realize that as a, I thought medium-sized business, but they said, oh yeah, we get our insurance on the exchange. So small mm-hmm. businesses can also go to the ACA exchange and find insurance for their employees in essence. Is the requirement um, still 50 and over? Yeah, I believe it is. It's fifty, and and remember, we're talking about full time. So that's why you know, if you work, I mean, if you work for McDonald's, but you only work, you know, which has hundreds of thousands of employees, but you only work, you know, ten hours a week. Well, this was that whole controversy at the time. Remember, we were talking about businesses that were thinking of making their employees thirty hours a week. Yeah, they were something. Yeah, because they were trying to get away from the from the ACA mandate. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. exactly. So, uh, yeah, so those are the two main groups. Is so self-employed or work for small business uh, for a small employer. Okay. Uh, and so what you did, and the thing is, this is what you were alluding to earlier. Before the ACA, you would go, if you were in that situation, you would go to, directly to Blue Cross or Aetna or Molina or, you know, whoever, uh, directly to the insurance company or through a broker. And you say, I want to buy insurance for myself and my family, right? right? And if you work for an employer that provides coverage, once you're there for a certain amount of time, then you're just you're you're rolled into the group policy, right? You're covered through the employer plan as part of that that group. Okay. Uh, but if you go to the went to the individual market, the insurance carrier would say, "Hold on a minute, there. Give us your entire medical history, right? Every operation, every prescription, every doctor's visit, everything right. that you've ever had for like the last ten years, twenty years. Could be your whole. I don't know. You know, it, it varied." Right. And you would have to dig up all that information, get all that documentation, and you'd dump, you'd send it to them, and then they would say, "Okay, hold on," and then so we'll get back to you. And so they would review, and they go through every line, and based on that, they would say they they could give you a thumbs up or a thumbs down. They they, they could just kick you to the curb. They could just say, "Sorry, we're not going to cover you. We right. just you know, go elsewhere." Uh, so there were a lot of people who were just uninsurable. They and and I said they would also turn people down for crazy reasons. I had friends, a friend in his young 30s, a, a mm-hmm. part-time school teacher, a sub, substitute teacher, so he didn't have insurance. And they turned him down. He showed me the letter. It was Etten at the time. And I'm forgetting exactly, but it was three things uh, akin to one was psoriasis. Yep. One was uh, – it was either it – was, it was high cholesterol, I remember, because I remember thinking – are you kidding me? Psoriasis. And there was some third thing that was equally stupid that you went, these aren't even, it's not like it's high blood pressure or maybe you're at risk of a stroke. It was simple stuff. 
-hmm. And as a 33 year old healthy guy, they told him we're not going to cover you before Obama. Yeah, it, it, I mean, there was like there was a main list, like the main the main list was like stuff that you know you would assume like really you know cancer. You know, you come in with cancer, they don't want to cover you. But it was yeah, it could be any literally anything. It could be acne. It could be yeah. just anything that they pull Crazy out. Yeah. And so they they had three choices. They could either turn you down entirely, or they could say. We'll we will we'll agree to cover you, but we're going to charge you ten times as much as we normally would for you know someone else, right? Uh, which would you know, for a lot of people made it unaffordable anyway. Or they could say, okay, we'll cover you and we'll cover you at the same rate, but we're going to have a clause that says we won't cover this one thing. Yes, and the one thing is the one thing that you know, that you. My my sister had that. They wouldn't cover one of her eyes for a year or two or something because she, like I, had had a retinal detachment. And they said, okay, we're going to cover you, but not that specific eye. And I was like, you could be kidding me. But imagine. We're going to exclude your eye from the coverage. Well, you know, our British friends are listening to this and they're freaking out, Cliff, as we're talking about this. And Canadian <laughs> friends and really almost anybody that comes from a, a, a high income country. Because... Civilized country. Yeah. <laughs> so, this is, so this was the situation before the ACA. And so that, this was one of the main things it was trying to tackle. And so what it did was it set up uh, these exchanges where insurance carriers, and this again goes back to the mandate penalty and all that stuff. This was part of the deal. It was basically it set up as what I call what's called a three-legged stool, right? You have the one leg is what the insurance carriers are required to do under the law, and this is all this is all the stuff about pre-existing conditions. They can no longer uh, do medical underwriting, which means combing through you know your medical history. They can't even oh, ask questions about it. Oh, interesting. You'll be coming through uh, to either approve, approve you or kick you off later? Exactly. They're not allowed. Like, that, that's called guaranteed issue. That means that, they, that you come to them, you've got the money to pay, they have to cover you. Good. Uh, number two, they can't charge you more or less depending on all these different variables, right? They used to charge women more because they're women. They used to, you know, and so forth. Uh, so very... can I say real quick? So when I apply for insurance under the ACA or Cliff, I am charged the same amount that everyone in DC who is my age gets charged for that plan. For, right for that same plan, uh, it, yeah, it, it can only be it can only differ based on your age, and even that's within a, a range within a, within a three to one range. It used to be like six or seven to one. It's down to three to one now. Age, where you live, right. and. Um, you know, and then the specific plan, basically. Oh, and then also smoking. Smoking is a thing that some states you can, some states you can't. That's the one, like, medical thing that they did sort of allow. But, Interesting, okay. Um, uh, so, yeah, you would be paying the same price as does, anyone else. Does marijuana count as smoking? That's a good question. Isn't that going to be interesting? Actually, yeah. I, think it, I, think it, I think it's tobacco. I don't think it's... I don't think okay. It's All right. Um, so, that was, so that's the second thing. Is, is, and that's called community, community rating, is what that's called. Is they have, they, so, guaranteed issue means they have to cover everyone. Community rating means they have to charge you the sa everyone the same price within certain parameters, and then the third big one is essential health benefits, which or EHBs, which means that they have to actually cover surgery, they have to cover prescription drugs, they have you know they have to cover stuff that you would expect to be covered through a health insurance policy, right? right? right. Before the again before the ACA, and even now there are non-ACA you know uh, types of plans where they don't cover uh, you know some of the basics. Right. And so, so there's 10 essential health benefits that every ACA compliant plan has to cover. There's also some other planks to that, like, uh, for example, no more uh, annual or lifetime limits on coverage. My my son was born pre I have a, a, a preemie. You know, he was he was born at uh, 32 weeks, and so he was in the neonatal unit uh, right. for a couple of weeks. You know, after he was born, 
you know, the the official price of that was it was probably like fifty thousand a day. You know, oh I mean, God, you know, wow. And that was you know this was fifteen years ago. So there there were cases of uh, infants being born who maxed out their lifetime limits on ins- health insurance coverage before they even left the hospital. Wow. And, and again, this basically means you've you you're allowed to spend up to two million dollars for your plan. For example, I remember that was a common figure. And once you do, they literally say, OK, you've hit your limit. Your plan is over. And yes. I'm assuming no other insurance policy would pick you up because exactly. you're sicker so, than a dog. They, in yeah. other words, what you get at that point is a good luck. Right. <laughs> is you get yeah. the good uh, luck letter. And- so it got so it got rid of that. Uh, it also and and annual, some- we had this time, but just so annual, we had the same thing. For example, mm-hmm. annually, I was allowed to spend up to $1,200 a year on prescriptions. And for anybody who gets, my asthma drugs alone were costing me five to 600 a month, right? Yeah. 1200 a year was giving me like three months of my asthma drugs. Um, and that was it. And once I hit my limit for the year, I got no more prescriptions for the I year mean, until hold, next year. Hold your, hold your breath for another nine months, right? That's the- yeah, yeah. Exactly. So, uh, you know, so that breathing. I mean, that's not essential. So Obamacare got rid of that too. Got rid of that. It also yeah. got rid of. Uh, on the flip side, it added a cap on. It's called the maximum out of pocket. Uh, maximum out Explain of. Explain this because that has helped me a couple years already. I've been shocked. Under the ACA, as long as you're in network, that's the key. I mean, you have you have to be within. You know, you have to be a doctor or hospital or whatever that's within right. your plan's network. There is a maximum that you have to uh, spend in deductibles, copay, you know, all the other. You got your premiums, and then you got all the other stuff: deductibles, right. copays, co-insurance. The actual the medical bills, not your premiums. Yeah. Right. There's an actual. There's a cap on that for in-network care, and once yep. you hit that cap, the insurance carrier has to cover anything over that. So that's so that's supposed to yep. be to prevent going, you know, going yep. bankrupt. And if I can say real quick, for example, my plan is 3000 a year maximum out of pocket. And what that means, forget the premiums. You're always going to pay your premiums. But my doctor visits, my my uh, what I pay for my uh, my medicine, if I've got to go for any therapy or any kind of uh, treatments for anything, dermatology, light treatments, I don't know, whatever, you name it. Um, once I hit $3,000, the rest of the year is free. I'm still paying my premiums, but I don't pay a dime for any doctor's visit for any, if I had heart disease or I mean a, a heart transplant, whatever, as long as I go to an in-network doctor, hospital, et cetera, which is not easy, by the way, um, I would pay zero until next January 1st when it starts yeah. over again. And I've had that happen twice now. I didn't have any serious diseases, but I still saved probably a couple thousand dollars because I hit that limit, saved, haha, saved. I was paying a thousand a month for health insurance, but you know. Right. Anyway, so yeah, so it added all these planks and there, there are a few other things as well. But yeah. but yeah, so it added so so that's what I call the blue, I call that the blue leg of the of the three legged stool. That's that's the blue leg, or right? that's the part that the uh, insurance carriers uh, are required. Then now, when you when you add all that, as you ima- could, could imagine, that causes the prices, right? The the price the because the reason the premiums were, were dirt cheap before the ACA relatively, or they could be dirt cheap, is because they could cherry pick their, their customers. They didn't cover anything. They covered nothing. <laughs> they didn't cover much. Yeah. They didn't cover much. And what yeah. they did cover, they only covered, they don't only tended to cover for people who are healthy anyway. Right. To me, so, it's like the know. current incarnation of dental insurance. Right. This is the most worthless thing. Like, hey, pay some money. We cover nothing. You know, right. it's like so. So it so the so the cost of increase. Now, when you do that, that means that a lot more people won't be able to afford those. You know, 
the, those increased prices. So that's where you get the green leg. And this is what the government's responsibility is. And that includes things like the financial subsidies, right, is the big part. Right. And that's on a sliding scale. Okay. If you earn up to, you know, between from here to up to here on a sliding scale, you have to pay it. Uh, your, your, your premiums are capped at, a, at an increasing percentage of your total income. Okay. Yeah. And, Sorry, Sasha's getting upset. Oh, Hold on, I'm going to mute myself. <laughs> um, and it also includes things like the exchanges, healthcare.gov, and so forth, which is, uh, you know, which is basically to to have a a clean, a clean playing field, a clean even playing field, where the insurance companies come up and you can compare side by side. It includes all the information. A free market where you can actually compare things and have an idea what's in them. I know it's crazy, right? Yeah. All, yeah. All, right. All the plans listed on the uh, the ACA exchanges have to be ACA compliant. They have to all include certain, you know, certain provisions, certain standards, and so forth. So there's, you know, there's no junk plans allowed uh, on the exchanges. You can junk still plan? buy a junk plan. Junk plan? Oh, junk. Junk. Yeah, junk. You can still, you can still buy junk yeah. plans, yeah. but not through the exchanges. It's, gotcha. Right. Gotcha. Um, and some other stuff. Now, the the subsidies, then this goes into what you were talking about earlier about. And then maybe uh, I was going to say, if we could maybe get through the subsidies quickly, because uh, we've got to have it. And then we'll jump back to the Supreme Court, because I sure, want to make sure. sure. We, yep. So the subsidies, um, the idea is that if you before the American Rescue Plan, right, up until a m- month or so ago, if you earned less than 100 percent of the federal poverty right. level. Which is around thirteen thousand, twelve, thirteen thousand dollars per year if you're single. Right. It's around twenty-five thousand for a family of four. If you were in less is than that, five, really, that's the poverty level right now. Twenty-five for a family of four. Uh, roughly, yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, I mean, I'm just li- thinking of like I've seen some of the figures with some of the really big cities. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like in San Francisco, it's something like ninety thousand a year. Yeah, I'm serious. Like I think I saw that. I mean, it's you, you would, go ahead. Sorry. No, it's okay. Um, there, 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 there was a there was a West Wing clip about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but so if you if you were built below one hundred percent of the poverty level, right. then the idea was that you were under the ACA is you were supposed to be covered through Medicaid anyway. Right. So right. you do not you did not qualify for subsidies. That's a confusing thing for a lot of people, and it's a, yeah, because yeah. the idea is if I can say real quick, the idea is we've got Medicaid for poor people make it, I mean, more or less. We've got Medicare for old people. The ACA was supposed to sort of fit in the middle. So even though everybody, uh, uh, young people can buy the ACA, young people, poor people can buy the ACA, but they won't get subsidies if they're too poor because yeah. they're supposed to get their subsidies, so to speak, through Medicaid. Yeah. So it's a very right. confusing kind of thing. Yeah. And that's, well, yeah. And that led to something called the Medicaid gap, because as I said, there's 12, the, the ACA assumed that every state, all 50 states, were going to expand Medicaid. Well, it turns out. That's why, in that Republican attempt to do nothing but undermine uh, the ACA, because they were going to be given money by the feds, hmm. they basically said, We don't want your money and we don't want to have to cover people because we think it's better if people get sick and die for right. reasons that no one in the world can understand except for people who right. are evil. Sorry, that has to be my so, commentary. Yeah, so, so, right. so there's so there's around uh, there's around 2.2 million people living in those 12 states, you know, Florida, Georgia, Texas, North Carolina, et cetera, that have not expanded Medicaid, who basically they they don't fit into any category because they they earn too little to get subsidies, but they also right. don't qualify for Medicaid because their states haven't expanded yet. That's insane. But, yeah. 
from from 100 to 400% of poverty. So now you're talking right. around around $50,000 a year if you're single, around 105,000 for a family of four. Actually, can I say by the way cuz you guys never say this, you health people, what you mean is 50,000 a year adjustable gross income. If you look at your tax, if you look at your taxes, you'll find that line. That's the line they're talking about. Mod- mod- modified, modified adjustment. All oh, right. Well, Maggie, although for most people, it's the same. But yeah, I'm right. sorry. For most people, that's the same. But yeah. Yeah. So if you earn between 100 to 400 percent, then that's where it's on a sliding scale. And so what it says is if you're at, you know, um, let's say you're at 150 percent of, pov- of the poverty line. It's like uh, like nine, was that, like 18, 19 thousand dollars a year or whatever. If you're single, then you would have to pay 2% of your uh, income in premiums. And so, uh, and if you're up at 400%, then it was like nine and a half percent of your total income, right? So it's sliding scale. And so the way it works is you go to the exchange, you plug in your info, you plug in your age, where you live, et cetera. And it'll spit back, okay, here's all the plans, right? right? And there's what's called a benchmark plan, which is the, the benchmark silver plan. And what that is, is you'll have different plans, bronze, silver, gold, and platinum. And what that means is bronze plans have to cover around 60% of your expenses on average. Silver is 70, gold is 80, platinum is 90%, uh, which means that as you go up, you know, bronze plans have lower premiums, higher deductibles. Platinum has higher premiums, lower deductibles. You know, silver and gold are in the middle. And so what they said is, the second lowest price silver plan, I know it gets complete. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The second lowest price silver plan for you is the benchmark plan. Whatever that plan costs, it, let's say that plan costs, um, you know, 500 bucks a month, right? Well, let's say that 2%, let's say you're 150% of, in, of poverty, 2% of your income, you know, let's say that that's, uh, you know, $300 a month, right? Would be 2%. Right. Um, the difference between the two is your subsidy. So you get 200 bucks a month. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, I mean, right. I would say let's, let's not get into too much of the detail. Right. Uh, bottom line is bottom line is uh, it's a scale. way that it's a way that they use to look at how much subsidy you get, because some right. people want cheap plans. Some people want expensive plans and it wouldn't be fair to say, Oh, well I got the expensive plan. I'm getting a bigger subsidy. Ha ha. It, it says, no, everyone gets the same subsidy. And if you want to spend it on a more expensive plan, right. go for it, but you're going to pay a little more out of pocket. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. So, so that's how it works. Okay. The, the catch, as you noted earlier, is that 400% cutoff. Yeah, which was around 50000 as we said. Right, yeah. around 50000 if you're single, around 100000 for a family. Yeah. Uh, if you earned even $1 more, you know, if it's just a little bit over that, right. you did, you got, it didn't just taper off. You got right. nothing. nothing. You would have to okay. pay full price. And, you know, for some people, for some people, like if you're young, you, that might not, you might not get any subsidies anyway, because, you know, the premiums right. might be low enough that you don't get any subsidies uh, because the premiums are lower. But right. if you're like 64 years old, you know, yeah. you get that three to one ratio, right? It could be three times yeah. as much. You, if you were a little bit too much, yeah. then uh, yeah, it could really hurt. I'm you. already paying a thousand a month and I'm not yeah. 64 years old. <laughs> so it can get up to 1500, 2000 a month or more probably. Yeah. 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 Basically the subsidy structure, be, uh, under the original ACA, the subsidy structure just wasn't generous enough. Basically right. it didn't right. cut off too soon and it wasn't quite generous enough right. for those it did cover. So, and there was also, also, and I, I don't want to get too wonky, but there's a second yeah. type of subsidy to help with, uh, Co-pays and deductibles and stuff. Yeah, as yeah, well. yeah. Well, let you know. Let wrap up the subsidy stuff, and then we'll get back sure. to the Supreme Court. Although the, I think this was important, I wanted folks to understand how this works. Now, here's what changed. 
last month, the American Rescue Plan, one of the provisions is it it basically resolved the issue with the subsidies, but only for two years. A a subsidy cliff where you drop off once you make $50,001. Right, right. The 400% cliff is gone for the next two years. Right. And it beefed up the, it made it more generous as well. So now, if you earn uh, less than 150 percent of poverty, you pay nothing, right? Nothing in premiums, right? And you have very, very low deductibles, though. Right. And then a sliding scale up from there. So now they they lower that nine and a half down to eight and a half percent, and that eight and a half percent cutoff is regard. You could earn, a, you know, a thousand percent of poverty, and you're still limited to no more than eight and a half percent, right? Which means that the subsidies still they still taper off, but they do so gradually, which makes right, more sense. Right, right, right. Okay, so back to the Supreme Court. We can kind of wrap up that discussion, but so uh, we're waiting to hear what the court's going to decide. Did you walk us through what the four possibilities are? I don't remember of what the uh, court could decide and what it means. Right. So uh, they we, we we've had several false alarms because they never tell you exactly what they're going you know decisions they're going to give right. uh, until they do. Um, but it looks like sometime in either May or June, because I believe that's when the end of the current session is, the end of June, uh, should come out. Now, there's four possible ways they could go, as I understand it. The first is they could just throw the whole case out and say this is stupid, which, right. which they should. <laughs> in which case, all is well. ACA survives, all is well. Second possibility is that, they, and I, this is the most likely, I think, is that they 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 would uh, would say that okay yeah you have a point about the uh, about the, the the mandate penalty being zero I mean I think that's stupid but they might say well okay but it's easily severable from the rest of the law and during right. oral arguments last November even Kavanaugh like even Alito you know who hates the ACA right. even he during the oral arguments even he was saying dude like that doesn't make any sense why don't we just get rid of that part right. you know. Um, so they might just snip out just the underlying mandate language, and that would be the status quo. Now, I don't think they should do that. There are constitutional reasons. It sets a bad precedent, but they might do that, okay? The third, and again, if they do that, fine, whatever. The third possibility is that they strike down the mandate, and they also strike down all the provisions of the ACA which directly relate to that, right. okay? Which, now, what that would mean is that Medicaid expansion would be safe. Um, the closure of the Medicare Part D donut hole would be safe. There's a, all, all those other weird little parts right. of the, you know, the, the tools. A lot, of, a lot of it would be safe. But the consumer protections for pre-existing conditions, gone. Right. Insurance carriers would go back to being able to medically underwrite, to deny coverage, all that other horribles, all the stuff that people were screaming about in 2017, all of that, the, the patient protection part of the patient protection affordable care right, would basically right, be gone. Right. Um, what's weird about that, though, is the subsidies would still be there, except that there would be no way to calculate them. <laughs> right. It would come wow. out logistical care right. on top of the moral and, and human and you know, whatever uh, right. disaster. It would also be a logistical nightmare for actuaries. Right. But are these are these things? I mean, I know there's a lot of options of what could be struck down. Whatever are these things that could be fixed legislatively? So we, if we got Mansion on board, <laughs> um, I'll, I'll get there in just one moment. Okay, yeah. And then the fourth possibility is the nightmare scenario, which is they strike down the entire law, root and branch, as Mitch McConnell right. infamously said. The whole right. thing goes. If they do right. that, then you're talking about 20 million people being kicked off of Medicaid. At least ten or twelve million people right. losing their their private their private insurance, the marketplace, 
tens of millions of people with pre-existing conditions would lose those protections. Medicare Part D donut hole reopens. Kids no longer be allowed to stay on the parents' plan until 26. All that stuff gone, 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 gone. Right. Right. Uh, to your question. So the question is, what, what can be done, right, if that scenario? Um, the Democrats do have a very small, slim possibility of mooting the suit. They could moot the suit. Right. And there's, there's three ways they theoretically could do that. One is they could pass a simple law, right? They do technically control the House, the Senate, and the White House, right? Uh, if you assume there's no filibuster... <laughs> In theory, they could pass a simple law that says uh, the mandate is severable. Right. Like literally, just scroll that in to the, the, to the margin. By the way, P.S., yes, it's severable, right? Number two is they could pass a simple law uh, striking out the mandate language itself before the Supreme Court gets a chance to. You're basically saying, here's the law, and by the way, we're just getting rid of the mandate. Right. Right? <clears throat> but the rest of the law is cool. Um, oh, Hello, somebody's, sorry, that was a major, somebody's microphone was going crazy there. Okay, uh, sorry, the, yep. the third possibility is they could reverse or partially reverse the zeroing out. They could just change the mandate penalty back to some amount greater than zero. Now, the assumption was that they could just make it $1, right? Do a nominal subsidy for no other purpose than to comply with, you know, uh, well, you said if it's zero, it doesn't count, so we'll just make it one, you know, one dollar. Right. Um, however, I've since been told, and I've heard conflicting stories of this, I've since been told that that may not be enough, that it has to, it has to be enough of a penalty to be, you know, significant, which means it would have to be like at least a hundred dollars or something. Well, if you're going to make it a hundred, you might as well just make it seven. You know, you might just make, put it back to what it was, right? Um, the problem with these is that you can't, two of those three cannot, as I understand it, cannot be done through reconciliation, right? Yeah, and reconciliation was this whole process of, if it's very confusing, but remember we were discussing, um, well, uh, what, what was it, I, I'm already forgetting, what was it that we were just passing? <laughs> that we were, uh, the COVID the stimulus, the COVID stimulus yeah, bill. The COVID stimulus bill and whether we could do it in a way that gets around the filibuster right. and we had to wait for this whole, the parliamentarian of the Senate to make a decision. It's this very complicated process that allows you to kind of skirt the filibuster rules, but right. it's very precise as to whether you can or can't do it right there, there's some... well, whether it affects how much they determine it affects the budget it's only supposed right. to affect the, the the federal budget to do that exactly. now they the thing is they find ways to kind of fudge that a little bit um yeah and, and it, it, well, i don't want to get into <laughs> the broader thing but it does make me it might even be directly affects the budget it's like it's got to be a a core uh, yeah, connection I, kind of thing it's a weird it, i never even heard it mentioned when when back when president obama was thinking about his stimulus. I know. And that makes me wonder, was that just because he was so bought into having Republican support? Or is that 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 this is one of these evolving things that no one had done it that oh, way? Oh no, no, no. It was known back then. There's there I guarantee you. <laughs> it was it wasn't known, a, but you but you know there are things yeah. that are known, there are things that we can do. And as Democrats, we're normally too scared to do them because we're, we're the appearance of things. Yes. You also could have yes. put Merrick Garland on the Supreme Court during yeah. a recess appointment, who could have served on that court for yeah. over a year probably and gotten us yeah. better decisions, but we didn't yeah. want to do that. That wasn't yeah. proper. I think that's oh. what happened with Obama was 
we want to get the Republicans on. Right. It's not proper to do it through reconciliation. So even if technically we yeah. could do it, it I never heard anybody nice. even talking about it. And because I never worked in the Senate, or well, I'm not a procedural no, expert, I, think, I didn't I even know you're it existed. Right. I think you're absolutely right. Yeah. yeah now, now you're sort of getting into the Joe Manchin, you know, <laughs> right. mindset. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, so, so um, it is possible again if you if you got rid of the filibuster and and you got mansion and cinema on board along with you know any other stragglers then yeah they they could but it would be but here's the thing so the question is why haven't they done that well because you know there's a whole mess of oh the filibuster and and so forth there's actually really busy sipping your sangria too believe it or not there is one good reason there actually is one legitimate reason not to do Hmm. it before the ruling comes out Hmm. And this is going to blow your mind, okay? This gets into a weird, wonky constitutional okay. you know, law. I've been told by several constitutional, you know, experts that pat that unless they are absolutely one hundred percent certain that they can actually pass it through the House, the Senate, and get it signed right. before the ruling, right? It's possible that trying to do that, like if they oh. pass it through the House only, yeah, and then like it, you know, stalls in the Senate, like it would have last right. year. If they pass it through the House, but that alone could trigger that that alone could basically be admitting yes. that there's a problem, and that yes. therefore, so you could basically be shooting yourself in the foot. Well, let right. me let me put a finer okay. point on that: that by Congress shooting down the Obamacare fix, that is telling the Supreme Court, "Oh, well, clearly the legislature did not intend this to happen, right. and they would right. interpret the failure as legislative intent." That the Congress never intended the the, the legislation to survive on its own. So now, if we try to fix it and fail, it could actually make the Supreme Court vote against us. Exactly, it could actually make it worse. So uh, what I have been told, and this is something I did not I did not know this. Uh, Nicholas Bagley, uh, who is he was a constitutional uh, lawyer and and uh, ACA expert, he ha- tells me that it is possible that if this let's say worst case scenario, Supreme Court issues the ruling, they say right. ACA must be struck down, even if they go with immediate effect, that Congress could still then, after the fact, pass a law that said, wait, 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 we got this, and fix it right. then, hmm. like five minutes later. That hmm. they could they could pull the trigger on this after the ruling comes out if they had to, and that it would still all would be well. I, I, you know, I don't know how that works. I don't know how the timing works or whatever, but apparently they could still do that. So that's my guess is that, is that that's pro- that would be their, like, in case of fire break glass, you know. But they don't want to do it beforehand, but they might do it. That's weird. Yeah, yeah. I'd be curious how you do that because if the court says it's unconstitutional, it's unconstitutional. It's, I don't know. I don't know whether they can say it's unconstitutional, but we'll let you keep it for another three months, maybe. But that's well, seems well, they weird. Could, well, they could. They they could put a stay on their own ruling, you know, because you know because they they recognize the turmoil, you know, especially doing in the middle of the right. year, you know, right. like as opposed to waiting until January first of twenty twenty two, right. Uh, there's, yeah, it gets weird, but it's, it's possible. So hopefully it won't come to that. Hopefully they will either throw the case out or, you know, at worst, uh, just snip out that one little bit and, uh, that'll be, all be well. And and by the way, the proof, the proof, the absolute proof that no, the individual mandate is not vital or intrinsic. The proof is that the ACA has been running chugging along for the last two you know two plus years since the mandate was zeroed out in the first place it was zeroed out in january 2019 it's now april of 2021 and 12 million people are still you know give or take are still enrolling participation has increased 
Right. Premiums have actually dropped back down a little bit over the last year or two. The, you know, the, right. the unsubsidized premiums. Well, that's because none of us were using our health care problem. Well, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm quite serious. I'm just saying, just saying right. the, the, the exchange part, you know, with the subsidies right. and the exchange and the pre-existing condition protections, all the stuff connected to the mandate penalty right. are working, you know? Okay. Right. So there's your proof. <laughs> you know? Right. No, it is clearly not absolutely intrinsic. Right. And in the end, I think we have to look at the whole process of were things massively improved by this, right? And overall, our our healthcare system has gotten so much better that you know purists sat there and said we can't do anything unless we do everything, you know. Um, and we're obviously seeing a much better situation. Right. I mean, right? Would we rather be pre Obamacare? No. <laughs> Um, so, Cliff, do you want to? Did you want to maybe jump in on the Michigan stuff a little bit, and then we can I'll maybe work. then talk about the future of healthcare? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I, obviously, I, I see I'm due south of you, Charles, mm -hmm. and uh, down here in old Ohio, where um, where you guys, except for more conservative, it's kind of a pain <laughs> in the ass. Um, so when stuff starts happening up there, I start I start worrying, and it did happen here actually. The Republicans went after their own guy, Dewine. Because DeWine wasn't entirely insane on COVID restrictions as he is on things like abortion rights. Um, but um, if I'm correct, the legislature took power away from your governor, Gretchen Whitmer, mm -hmm. who they seem to really hate on the right. Um, and, uh, you know, part of it's because she's very effective. My theory is somewhat dissimilar to my theory with uh, AOC there too. It's because they're actually attracted to her and they hate themselves mm. for it. I, I, seriously, they when there are when there are women that, that are attractive Democrats, it pisses. It seems to piss them off even more. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, I think that's just a thing. But in any case, so what's going on there with health with COVID restrictions, um, with your insane legislature and the rest? Because Michigan, yeah. I'll, I'll just say quickly for everybody, as we all know, Michigan right now is a key, one of the key four, five, six states that determines which way our country goes. So it's kind of relevant. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last year. So, you know, COVID, um, our first cases, like the first, you know, the first officially confirmed cases uh, were uh, confirmed the day after the, the Michigan primary, as it happens. It was the next, you know, we had the Michigan primary, Joe Biden won. And then it was the next day that the health department said, you know, we found two cases. Uh, one was here in Oakland County, where I live. Uh, and of course, you know, you know what happened after that. Um, and uh, yeah, Governor Whitmer, she got high praise. Well, not from Republicans, but she got high praise from sane people. Uh, for most of last year, she she did everything she could, you know, to battle it, to slow the spread, you know, distancing, masking up, you know, the, the works. Uh, I know there was some confusion early on, you know, um, regarding the whole nursing home thing. Um, because they were conflicting, they were sort of conflicting, you know, um, guidance on what to do and how to handle and all that. But basically, she got very high marks. And Michigan, you know, we went into we had, we got we got hit hard, just as the Northeast did. But we we also got hit hard uh, in the spring. But we tamped it down for the summer, and we were doing really well up until around last fall, uh, shortly before the election. And um, the Republican, yeah, they refused to help in any way. They fought her every step of the way, uh, and they sued her over her emergency orders, you know, for the shutdowns and so forth. And at the time, uh, so in Michigan, what people have to understand is we have a Democratic governor, secretary of state, attorney general. You know, we, we did very well. Democrats did very well in 2018. We swept the, all the statewide, you know, executive races, uh, and we made progress you know, with the legislature, but... 
we picked up four or five seats in both the House and the Senate, but we're still we're still down in both. Right. So Republicans still control the uh, state House and the state Senate. And at the time, they also still controlled the state Supreme Court. It was a four to three uh, Republican appointed control. That since flipped. We, we actually flipped a, um, a state Supreme Court seat in November last year, but that didn't go into effect until January, right? So at the time, it was uh, the uh, judicial and legislative were controlled by Republicans. They sued, uh, and the Republican controlled state uh, Supreme Court ruled against her in early October right. last year and struck down her uh, emergency orders. Now, she was able to kind of get around that by shifting it over to the state health department. Okay, so the state, you know, as, as a public health crisis, the state health department still issue, was still able to issue similar orders. But to be honest, at that point, you know, an order is only effective as people actually complying with it, right? And half the state was already not, you know, didn't fighting against it anyway. And when they struck that down, a lot of a lot of businesses. I saw this happen there. There were a lot of businesses that basically sort of started, you know, okay, this the, the health department still says that it's we you know we got to comply with this, but there were some that sort of started lack you know lagging off on that, right? Um, and well, if you look at uh, the numbers, I'm not saying that it's a direct connection, and I'm sure it is. Right. There were surges in other areas as well. But correlations, however, versus correlation and causation and all that. But yeah, there definitely was things we started getting hit really bad again, you know, going into the the holidays. Um, And as for what's happening now, and and now the other thing that the state legislature has done is they, and I don't understand exactly how all this works, but the federal funding, you know, for COVID relief, as I understand it, Mm -hmm. some of it has to be spent and then some of it has to like go through the legislature, like they have to, you know, like they they sort of hold it can hold it hostage essentially, uh, depending on how it's being actually used or allocated. And so it's my understanding that they were basically holding, you know, several billion dollars, I guess, of federal you know COVID relief funding effectively hostage um, because they wanted her to voluntarily give up whatever other control she had. And they've been screaming for a unrepublican. For a solid year, they kept on screaming that we have to be involved. You know, you're, you're not giving us a seat at the table. We need to be involved in all these decision makings on how to handle it. And every time that she's given them a chance to, anytime that you know they, okay, here's the mic. What do you want to do? Oh, they, they have nothing. They got nothing. They got no plan. They have. Well, no it's kind of like their opposition to the ACA for all those years, right? Yeah, well, yeah. We hate it. We hate it. We hate it. We've got an alternative. What's your alternative? Uh, uh, yeah. It's infrastructure um, week every week. Now, the other thing you have to remember that was going on last fall at around the same time is that there was a uh, the FBI uncovered a massive conspiracy to kidnap and murder her, right? Along yes. with other state officials. So, um, right. what happened to those guys? May I ask? Like, are they? I felt like I read they had been let out on bail or something insane. Like, are um, they? I think I read something a few weeks ago where there was some. I, it might have only been like one particular guy, you know, one of the one of the defendants or something. And it was like, but there was like one judge, I guess, who said that that it didn't. He wasn't. He wasn't calling it legally. He wasn't calling it terrorism. He was calling like <laughs> said, it didn't count as terrorism or you know something like yes, that. Let's, let's argue over semantics. Of the still, guys who decided to kidnap. 
they're still being charged with serious, you know, charges and all, but like you wouldn't actually call it, like you call it something else, you know, it's like. And they're in know, prison as we speak, correct? Uh, I, I hope so. I mean, <laughs> they weren't let out sure. to roam the land because we trust that, you know, yeah, the lights. Yeah, I'm not sure. So I haven't followed up in the, uh, in the okay. latest on that. Okay, to put you on the spot. I was just hoping yeah. because but the bottom line is the bottom line is that the governor is in basically an untenable situation. Right. Uh, they they have basically, in some ways, they have made the state almost ungovernable because right. they're refusing to comply with anything. That's what so, they do. Charles, can we can we move maybe for the last part of the show just to a um, quick discussion on? Although honestly, this is its own podcast, but. What's next in terms of our wish list on healthcare? I think, uh, obviously, I think you were calling it Obamacare 2.0. I'm assuming that's what you meant by it, which is what would we like Biden to do? What can Biden mm-hmm. do? And and then if you want to have a quick bit about Medicare for all, or in other words, the big wish list, you can get right. there too. But at least initially on, on Obamacare, what what are we looking forward to, hopefully? So, um, yeah, so... You know, the, the first big bill of the Biden administration was, of course, the COVID relief, the American Rescue Plan, right? And that went through. And as I said, that, that um, uh, killed the subsidy cliff, not you cliff, the subsidy cliff. <laughs> you know. I've been involved uh, in a lot of conversations this show. It, <laughs> it, uh, it sort of resolved one of the big sticking points of the ACA, but it only did it temporarily, only for two years, right? Okay. And of course, that's not the only one. There are other issues as well. There's other fires to put out, trouble spots and so on. Um, so... Now they're working on, you know, they recently announced the American Jobs Plan, right, which is like this big infrastructure bill, and the Republicans right. are claiming half of it isn't in, in construction, even though it is. Um, but there's a, that's actually supposed to be a two-part bill, as I understand. The, the first part has already been announced. The second part is being called the American Families Plan. And right. that's supposed to be, you know, stuff like uh, um, permanently expanding the child, you know, child, uh, child tax yep. credits. And things along those lines. There's actually, a, there's actually a huge New York Times article that came out while we've been speaking about what the proposal would be. But yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> American Family Plan. But go um, ahead. Yeah. And it includes a bunch of other stuff. And, and that they're still working. That's supposed to be announced soon. That's why you're seeing articles that are sort of getting yep. a preview now. Yep. Um, I was originally told that that healthcare was supposed to be part of the you know part of the fa- the families section of that. Now I'm being told that there that might be actually be like there might actually be the jobs plan or the family plan and like the health plan. Like like okay. it would all still be included, you know, in the the larger omnibus bill, but that'll be come a little later. And the reason okay. for that is that um, most of the families plan stuff, like I guess almost every dem is like in agreement on. But the healthcare stuff, there's a bit of squabbling going on. Big okay. shot, right? right? There are, as I see it, there are three main areas that they're looking at. One is the Medicaid gap that I mentioned earlier. What to do about these 12 holdout states. The, the, the rescue plan, by the way, included a, solu- a proposed solution to that, which was literally to bribe them. The American Rescue Plan included $16 billion that they were just going to get. They're, they're, they, and the offer's still open. They told Missouri, or, or I mean, so they told Texas, Florida, et cetera, look, expand Medicaid, and here's just a big bucket of money. Just right. do it, okay? Uh, and so far, it's not looking like that's going very far because it has nothing to do with money, even though they claim it does. It has to do with ideology, right? Um, so that doesn't seem to be going very well. So they're, they're moving on to, okay, what do we do about the Medicaid gap? The second part, what I call ACA 2.0, and that includes, as you mentioned, or as I mentioned, permanently expanding those subsidies, right. removing that 400% subsidy cliff, beefing up the subsidies, 
and so there's some other stuff related to deductibles and stuff that they could do as well. So that's like the second chunk is basically ACA 2.0, as I call it. Right. Um, and then the third part would be, and this is what Bernie, right, Bernie Sanders, of course, is arguing is the third part would be, okay, expanding Medicaid, uh, Medicare, right? right. Uh, and the main things they're looking for there is things like adding uh, uh, vision, dental, and, and hearing aids to, met, you know, to Medicare coverage. Huge. I couldn't believe having elderly parents that hearing aids aren't covered by Medicare. I was like, you got to be kidding me. Yeah, it seems like yeah. a no-brainer, but yeah. Um, so, and then also, uh, it would also add or the age. Are they talking about that too? Well, uh, yeah. And then the, the, the other thing that they want, that they want to do is they want to put a cap on prescription drug coverage. Believe it or not, the ACA, I mentioned the maximum out of pocket, you know, uh, cost for the ACA plans. Right. That's actually something that Medicare does not have. Yeah. Uh, well, unless you buy the, it, no, no, what I read was maybe if you buy the supplemental plans or something. Like Medicare can, Advantage or something right. like that. Yeah. Uh, well, like yeah, extra you, insurance you can buy or what's the. Yeah. You, you've got, uh, you've got traditional crazy. Medicare and then you've got yeah. Medicare Advantage and then you've got traditional Medicare plus Medigap, which is like. Oh, There's <laughs> lots of names. Basically take, right. take some of the stuff that isn't, that is, that is included right. in Medigap. How, and, wait, can I ask you, how is that? I mean, I found this, it's funny you said this. I found this out only a few months ago that Medicare, that basic Medicare, like the free stuff you get or whatever, doesn't have the same protections that Obamacare has in terms of like annual limits and that kind of stuff. That's yeah. insane. Yeah, out of pocket max, out of, I should say out of pocket max and stuff. That's yeah, I, think, I think a lot of this, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, Charles, but you know, when some of these programs were created and in case of Medicare, the mid sixties, Right, the these weren't issues in the same way they are today. You mean you know, the cost the, of the Well, prescription drugs have proliferated and become right. a huge expense in a way we just didn't have prescription drugs for right. stuff back then. You just right. were screwed, and so yeah, I mean, now, they, they had them. They had them, but it was it was. Right. But not. I know. I'm not saying none, but not the way we have them today. Right. right. It wasn't nearly as large of a of an issue at the time, and and basically what happened was Medicare. Uh, the, the the Medicare Advantage, which is basically privately administered Medicare, right? Right. Um, sort of tacked on some of these, glommed on some of these other coverage areas. Well, traditional Medicare, you know, just didn't. And then for for traditional Medicare, private and you know supplemental insurance came in to fill in that 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 era, you know that that opening uh, for additional stuff. But again, that's not part of the that's not baked into the main program. So. So yeah, those are the three main areas is basically expanding that. And then you also mentioned lowering the age. Now, lowering the age for Medicare is, this is where you get into an interesting situation because with the expanded subsidies under the ACA, you know, I mentioned if you're 63, 64 years old, right. with, with that subsidy cut, you know, cliff there, yep. it made a private health, if you earn, you know, too much for the subsidies, it, an ACA plan basically was unaffordable for a lot of people. So, so for those for for that situation, lowering the age for Medicare, you know, makes a hell of a lot of sense. If you make the subsidy expansion permanent for the ACA 2.0, all of a sudden, you know, it's it's become less. Of, I mean, there are advantages or disadvantages either way, but all of a sudden, ACA plan for an older person who earns more than you know that cut up. Um, right. It makes a lot more sense. It's a lot more. Can I, can I ask you real quick? And maybe this is what you were getting at by talking about the Medicare Advantage and stuff. Um, and actually, I got I'd love to do a show on Medicare at some point, Cliff, just because I was trying to help my mom a few years ago because we didn't know that when my dad died, that mom basically inherited his. He was a big executive at an international harvester, which became Navistar. 
amazing healthcare. I mean, no deductible, right. literally mom, it's almost like an HMO. Mom pays nothing for nothing. And when dad died, no one really told us that mom inherited the healthcare. We got a weird letter that sounded like she had to pick a Medicare plan. And we sat down with one of those guys that helps you. And oh my God, mom, forget it at like age 85. I this guy was telling me and I was just going, I don't understand what you're talking about. But a lot of people I talk to on Medicare tell me uh, on Twitter, I see it a lot. They go, hey, you get ready because when you get on Medicare, it's not as good as you think it is. It's actually worse than my insurance was previously. Are they generally talking about uh, basic Medicare, as you call it, that it just that it because I get scared when I read that kind of stuff. I always I keep thinking Medicare is going to be Shangri-La. We don't have to pay much and we finally get good coverage. Uh, you know, M Medicare specifically is not like, you know, I, I cover all areas of it's health. the best care. Western. It's, it's not Shangri-La. Like, it's not, it, it, I, I have some, some knowledge of it, but it's not like I'm not a total Medicare. No, that's okay. But, but, yeah. but my guess, my guess would be probably is, is that, is that, yeah, Medicare is a great program that has, that if expanded and be, you know, again, like, it's like the, you know, like LACA, you know, you, it has a lot of good stuff, but there are some problems. Yeah. You expand it, you beef it up. You straighten it whether we it's can great. afford to expand it. So really, I, I am really a, a Medicare guy on because I, yeah, I, mean, I, mean, I have taken some flack from people who think that like I'm opposed to expanding. I'm like, no, I'm thrilled about expanding Medicare. Right. But I would prefer to expand what it, its comprehensiveness first. Yes, I agree like, on that. Yes. If you give me a choice, if you say you can pick either lower the age of yep. existing Medicare or beef up uh, what Medicare covers, you know, but without, you know, like, let's say, but but you can't lower the age. Yeah. I would be up what it, like, I would add, dent, you know, like dental vision, right. hearing aid, and I the, agree. Yep. The, the, yeah, first, yep. before lowering this, because again, yep. that's where you start running annual limits. Problems. Those exactly. kind of things. Yep. Yep. Because otherwise, you're going to run exactly what you've just said, where you're going to, you're, okay, you lowered it, lower the age. And people say, great. And they're, wait, this sucks. You know, or, yep. or this is as good as I thought. So, yeah. Yep. Um, that would yep. be the sort of the order I would go in if, if you had to. I mean, if you can do yeah, both, yeah. great. But, but the other thing about about lowering the age is that is that you're basically shifting, you're you're shifting a pool of people from one to the other, and the question is risk. You know, the question is like, what is your reward? What is the you know, like the risk reward? You know the um, the ratio. How much benefit are you getting? You know, if you take someone who's uninsured and you move them onto Medicare, there's a huge upside, right? Right. If you take right. someone, right. you know, as long as I can afford it. If yep. you take someone who is currently covered. Through yep. their employer or through an, AC, an ACA plan with the beefed up subsidies. With a subsidy. Or, right. And you shift them yep. over. You know, how much, like, yep. what, what well, kind see, of Can I tell real quick? Because I thought, and we're going to have to probably wrap up soon because Cliff himself, Cliff, we had sort of a hard cutoff for Cliff as well in like uh, eight minutes. But I was surprised because when people were talking about one of yeah. the complaints was, oh my God, it's so expensive when you get on Medicare. And I'm looking at it and I go, wow, even if I bought an, I'm thinking, oh shit, Medicare Advantage, the extra plan must be really crazy. I'm looking at it and like the calculator told me it might be 550 a month for me or 650. And I'm like, I pay a thousand a month for my healthcare. And that's because my premiums, because I chose to downgrade my plan from 1200 a month. So I'm thinking as a self-employed guy, I could get the Taj Mahal of Medicare plans and I still might be saving money. But if you've got a good work plan, you might have to pay more by going on Medicare. So it really is interesting where you're coming from. Cliff and I and our families might do well shifting to Medicare, but but your work plan might actually cover more. And, and God knows you'll be paying less because your work is paying most of it. Right. So, yeah, and that, that's the, is what you basically have is and I, I have a, I have a couple of famous sort of 
semi-famous, I guess, within my area, uh, graphics. You know, I've got the three-legged stool, yep. and I also have the other one, as I call it, the psychedelic donut. <laughs> And okay. it's you know what, actually, why don't you, I was going to say, why don't you try to wrap up with a psychedelic donut? Because I don't want to hit our hard cut off and they'll be like, okay, folks, goodbye. So uh, we'll try to wrap in the next three, four minutes. Yeah, basically, it's, it's, just a, it's just a pie chart that just breaks out the type of healthcare coverage that everybody in the country has, right? Right. And, and like I mentioned, you got the employee, you got large group, small group, Medicare, Medicaid, SHIP, you know, right. the VA, TRI, uh, and then the, the ACA market. And then, right. of course, you got the uninsured, right? And so it's just this big, colorful uh, uh, pie chart. And that, that's the, the, the irony is the fact that you have all these slice, it's sliced and diced and all these little snippets right. is both, that is both the strongest argument for a single universal type of healthcare coverage plan, right. Right. but it's also the, the very thing that makes it difficult, so incredibly difficult to do that because you, you've got a lot every, of competing. Everything is affecting everything else kind of thing? It, I, I call it healthcare Jenga. You know, okay, every time exactly. you call one piece. <laughs> There's a ripple the effect falls across down. Right. the other things. Yeah. Right. Right. Wow. Yeah. No, it's, it's God. I mean, and I, again, I think of somebody not American listening to this and going, <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with your system? It's so, I mean, can I ask you real quick? Is it, are things not this complicated? I mean, one assumes they're not, but if like you live in Canada or the UK or even France where you can buy a supplemental plan, but in general, are things not this complicated where you go, Oh my God, I've got 10 different options. I don't know what to do. And, and I've got to deal with insurance and all the forms. Are, is it is it easier or is it still just as bureaucratic? I mean, it, it's definitely less complicated, I would say. That doesn't mean that it's not complicated at all. There's all there's always complications, but I'd say less so. And, and more of it is sort of behind the scenes as opposed to at the consumer side. You know, there might be all sorts of weird, crazy crap going on. I mean, on the consumer end. On the, yeah, on the consumer end, yeah, it does tend to be a lot simpler. You know, you go to the doctor and you, know, you get a prescription and, and yeah. you know, and that's... Well, I, just, I, I just keep thinking my mom at 85 years of age, somebody who's a senior, let's face it, at some point, mm -hmm. Cliff and I talk about this a lot, at some point, you start to slip a little. You know, mom's memory is starting to slip. The idea of her sitting there, several years ago, she got to the point where, and I don't, Cliff, I don't know if your parents are this old yet, but where you explain something, she's like, wait a minute, slow down. <laughs> my yeah. mom hit the slow down phase about five years <laughs> ago. I always talked fast, but now I've got to kind of go, okay, let's lay it out. The idea of her going through all these freaking Medicare plans. Yeah. And my favorite was the guy who was like, well, you could pay two fifty a month or you could pay nothing a month for the Medicare advantage. And it's the same thing. And I'm going, it's not the same thing. If one is three and one is two fifty. No, no, it's the same. That's really not the way the world ever works. And literally the guys tell me it's the same and I can't, and mom is kind of going, Ugh. You shouldn't have to have a PhD to it's dig your way horrible. through all this crap. It's, I agree. And it's scary for seniors, especially, let alone the rest of us, I think. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And the hearing aids. Jesus Christ, that always pissed me off. <laughs> Dad's, well, all no, because right. you know what? Well, I'm going to have to run because I got to get to a red game. Well, you know what? Sign off, and I can, I'll can. i do a quick wrap-up with, uh, yeah, wrap with Charles I, anyway because we don't want to go too long. Charles has been fascinating, and I've learned a lot, and I thought I knew something about this. Oh, so my God. I'm thank so, you. Yeah. Thank I, you I for being here. Day, so, you know, I appreciate you joining us. If I didn't have a Reds game to run to, I would be here longer. But I got to go. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, guys. Thanks. All right. Thanks, Cliff.
Yeah, I mean, and we can wrap up anyway because it's been about an hour twenty, and I don't want to take your time. But also, I know for the for the listeners, I mean, I'm exhausted because this. I hate this topic, but but on on hearing aids, this is where it just really annoys me. On hearing aids, for example, dead. Uh, engineer his whole life, worked on the shop floor a lot, and they think it affected his hearing, where right. once he became a senior, he really started losing the hearing. And they think it was just decades of being on a you know, mechanic shop floor at an auto manufacturer. And the hearing aids themselves, right? You know, Costco, $500. Elsewhere, it could be $1,000, 2000 3000 or more for the hearing aids. The batteries, basically think of your Apple watch or any of those things. They've got to be recharged every day. These hearing aid batteries, the ones we always had were not rechargeable, but they would wear out. Like, I mean, I want to say within a couple of days, max your battery wears out. I'm thinking the battery lasts for weeks or months or something. Oh no, 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 no. The batteries alone were so crazy expensive because they just wore out so fast and they were specialty batteries that, that I really, the hearing aids alone pissed me off when I found that out. I was like, you know, it's bad enough that American health plans generally don't cover dental, for example. Right. Like I've got another uh, crown coming up, I think. It's going to cost me 1400 bucks. Now, mind you, my friends in France had the same problem. Their healthcare plans there, which are, you know, good, good old socialist medicine, at least back several years ago, did not cover uh, uh, general dental as well, which I was very surprised. So unfortunately, there's a little tradition here, too, of even the good countries are not always great on dental, which is ridiculous. Well, like, well, and that's the thing is like, like uh, Canada, you know, of course, we always look at, oh, well, look at Canada. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing about Canada is like, for example, it does not cover prescription drugs. Canadian, you know, people uh, say, oh, C Canadian healthcare system, it's, you know, single payer. It is, but it doesn't include, you know, drugs. Um, and it does include some other things as well. Now, should it? Yeah, probably. But. But that's always a adding, adding, a, a, it's another fight every time. Do people buy additional plans in Canada or what do they do? That's crazy. Um, I assume so. I mean, even uh, our system's better than that, which is insane. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's, it's, okay. well, that's the thing is, is that, is, yeah, I mean, there's some, is that it is not, when people say, you know, every, every other industrialized country, every other advanced country has single, well, no, they actually mostly don't have single payer. They'll have universal coverage. Right. And the universe, the, the system they have tends to be a lot more sane and simple right. than ours, but that does not necessarily mean that it's, you know, that it's right. single care. Well, or, honestly, it does sound like Medicare in a way where basically from what I'm learning about Medicare over these years is there's a basic basket of coverage. It may not be good as, as what you like, but at least it's a basic basket. It covers everybody. It's either cheap or free. Right. And, and that is a good start because it is it is sort of uniform or whatever you want to call it coverage. But then like in France, you can buy supplemental plans, which I now understand because once I was learning about Medicare with mom, I said, Oh, that's just like France where it sounded just like France where, yeah, if you're, if you have money and you want to spend two fifty more a month or 500 right. more a month, you can drop your copay from 20% to 10%. You could have right. All these different added benefits, right. but at least there's a basic plan. The problem is the problem is, you get into a situation where the basic plan is better than Medicaid at least, but you don't want a basic plan that is almost a poverty plan because a lot of us aren't poverty level. So like we were talking about, it's almost like you go down in quality, <laughs> which, yeah, would, which well, would suck. <laughs> well, that, yeah, that also, that also ties in with the other issue, which, which we, hmm. we discussed a little bit earlier about, you know, in network and out of network. One of the, one of the very God, big, what a mess upsides, that is. Yeah. One of the big upsides uh, of Medicare Right. Is that it's basically, you know, 
there are always caveats, but that's basically universally accepted, you know? Well, cause you know, so, but you know what though, but I had talked to, I remember one of my specialists here in DC and she had told me at one point, she's like, you know, I just don't even accept Medicare. It's not worth the trouble. And I remember kind of looking at her and I was like, you know, and not that long from now, I'm going to be on Medicare. And what do you mean? I'm going to have to change specialists now because you, you know, there is, it's really, or we know about the emergency room thing, by the mm -hmm. way, folks, you go to the emergency room and you're screwed because every doctor who pops their head in is going to charge you. And you have no way of knowing, are they, it, it's not just the medical center. Each doctor sort of chooses whether they're in or out of network and right. you get somebody out of network and you're fucked. I mean, in America. And how do you know? Well, that was actually that, that was actually one thing surprisingly that mm -hmm. somehow managed to slip its way into uh, the, the, the previous the COVID? COVID bill. Back, I'm talking about the one in, in back in December. Oh, okay. What did they What did they put in? Uh, they managed to slip in a surprise billing provision, right? Uh, that basically because that's been a growing problem. Where again, you go to the hospital, yeah, the hospitals in network, <laughs> your surgeon is in network, but oh, it turns out the anesthesiologist is out yeah. of network. And you had no way of knowing because you're unconscious because he's an anesthesiologist. Actually, and you know what? And sorry, and let me explain for a minute here because again, like even for Americans who haven't had major surgery, when I was in France, I had a retinal detachment, had to get a scleral buckle, this very complicated thing. In the US, it's probably a twenty, twenty-five thousand dollars surgery, at least I was told. Uh, my insurance told me, well, you know, we can't pre-Obamacare, we can't promise you you're covered. But we will cover, and she keeps reading the paragraph to me on the phone. We will cover emergency. Bah, 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 bah. And I said, okay, but what do I need to give you? Well, you need a receipt, but it can't just be a general receipt. The receipt has to detail every single thing that you paid for. And they, you know, including, you know, if they paid for gauze, every little thing. And I'm trying to explain to the French, you know, accounting lady at the hospital. And I said, okay, but the receipt I've got says 2000 euros. It's like 2,500 bucks. I need the detailed receipt, like how much for each doctor. She goes, what do you mean? We pay our doctors separately. So what do you mean? She goes, no, no, the doctor makes a salary for a year. They don't make money on each surgery. And she's looking at me now in horror going, you pay them per surgery? As if, you know, like, what are you doing? And I said, and she goes, we don't. And my, I finally went to my doctor and I said, okay, you got to help me here. She goes, no, 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 no. We don't like charge you for gauze. We don't charge you for the anesthesiologist. The surgery is 2000 euros. That's it. So I got it. And I said, okay, you better explain that in the letter you write me. <laughs> so the insurance covered it, but like, in America, literally, the anesthesiologist is sending you a bill. Each doctor that pops their head in when you go for ER, for emergency room, when, when like the other doctor goes, oh, let me take a look, he's charging you 700 And we have no idea, like we said, if he's in network. And if he's not in network, you're paying a hell of a lot more for him than your other guy. And there's no, well, anyway, so what does this fix do? Um, I, I don't have all the details on the ba basically. I didn't mean to put you on the spot. But no, 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 no. It, yeah, okay, yeah. But, um, basically, uh, the surprise billing oh. fix addresses situations like that. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean every out of network. It means a, basically an out of network charge where you could not have reasonably, you know, where you could not have reasonably expected that there would be an yeah. out of network. Charge. That's why it's called surprise bill, right? Right. Right. And basically, what's been happening is for years now. The insurance companies and the provide and the, the healthcare providers or the doctors and, and hospitals fighting over that because the insurance company says, "Well, I'm not going to pay you because you're not in network." And the and the, right. you know, the doctor, the hospital, saying, "Well, you're you're damn well going to somebody's going to pay it right. because right. we did the right. thing." Right. And usually they end up sticking the patient with the bill. What this what uh, under the new law is in situations like that, right. the patient is taken out of the loop, and there's uh, there's like there an arbitration yep. process. 
basically yeah. the, it takes them out of the middle and they get right. to fight it out and they end up, you know, usually paying right. somewhere in the middle. Um, well, and you know, there, there should be a due diligence or something. Now, I don't know what you do for the emergency room, right? Cause you know, mm-hmm. back in the, back in the day, Americans on the way to the emergency room, you, some people's plans, you had to call your insurance and get approval. A friend of mine had that happen. He yeah. didn't get approval and he spent years fighting with them and long story, but his was, you know, on the floor writhing in pain. Yeah. And his partner took him to the emergency room. Cause I mean, imagine you're on the floor in a fetal, I kid you not fetal position. And he goes, he had to give me a towel to bite on to try to stop the screaming. Okay. You're touting this guy to the emergency room. And they said, you didn't actually call us to get approved to go to the emergency room. So we're not going to cover you pre Obamacare. This is right. the kind of crazy shit they would do. Right. Um, but but like if you do some kind of due diligence, like you go, you know that GW Hospital in D.C. is in network generally, right? Or certainly for surgery. I had cataracts of all things at a young age, and I made sure my doctor was in network. That should be enough. My main doctor, right. I don't know if his anesthesiologist or his nurses or whatever the fuck. Not, right? not so th- that should be enough. Not, not to mention, as, as you just, you know, as you just noted, if you're in the middle of having a heart attack. Yeah, and the nearest hospital is you know is, you know yeah isn't in network. Yeah. You're not really in a position to say no, no, go another twenty miles. <laughs> actually, know? actually, there you go, and, and actually, that's an easy way of putting it. You're right. Like, um, if you've got some reason where you do need to go to the emergency room, but maybe although honestly, most emergency room visits, if it's a truly necessary emergency room visit, you don't have time to make a phone call or something, you right. know. But right. but there there can be an easy standard in the law. We call it due diligence, which means you tried to you tried to make sure that you were in network in general with that hospital right and if you were then then that's enough but well, emergency well, room you don't even choose which doctor you see so how I'll, do you I flip that around any there's also the reverse situation which hmm. is for example this happened to me a few years ago hmm. um where uh i came down with what turned out to be okay but because I'm sorry, it turned out to be what the connection cut out oh i'm sorry it turned out to be it turned out to be a kidney stone Ooh, ooh, so those are bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was pa- painful, but not, you know, not dangerous. But be- this, it's four in the morning, right? And it hits me, and because of the position of where it happened to be, I, it was right where my appendix. Oh, wow! Right near that area. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm writhing in agony. If you ever and appendix, kidney- by the way, no. appendix, uh, kidney stones or whatever are not emergencies, but you feel like you want to die. Appendix right. literally is, and you could die. Exactly. So, <laughs> yeah. so it's four in the morning. I'm writhing in agony. My wife, you know, rushes me to the emergency room. We're, right. we're thinking that it's a, my appendix is about to burst. Right. Go into the emergency room, you know, turn, do a CAT scan. You know, they hook me up. Oh my with God. Yeah. And, you know, so, and I was there for like, for like eight hours. Right. right. Um, and then it turns out, it turns out all it was, was a kidney stone. Right. Right. Um, well, the, thank God I had insurance, right? Decent right. insurance. If I didn't, the, the official price was, it was like $6,000 or something. Well, that's pretty cheap actually for a CAT scan in an emergency. Right, room. right. Yeah, that's actually yeah. less than some, but it was cheap like, it was, so it would have been like $6,000. Now, as it happened, my insurance paid it no problem, but there have been cases, high profile cases actually right. uh, in some states where insurance companies have refused to pay for situations like that because it turned out it wasn't an actual emergency. Bingo. There you go. Well, right. The the argument is you had a. I was just gonna say the argument is you had a kidney stone. You don't get cat scans for kidney stones. That's the and it's like well no the doctor thought it was an appendicitis bursting. I mean yeah, there's a difference between getting a paper cut, you know, like going to the emergency room and racking up a million dollars because you get a paper cut, 
you know, that yeah. was obvious. And something like this, where you had no, again, you mentioned due diligence. You know, I had reason to believe, not to mention that an emergency pain can be an emergency. You know, I don't care also, if it's just a kidney yes. stone, it hurt like hell. Yeah. But also, you know you what? Know? It's not like you decided. If the doctor says in his medical or her medical judgment, right. you need the CAT scan, then that should be enough to have it covered, period. Exactly. It is not a question. If you said, you know, I'm going to be anal and I'm going to sue you unless you give me a CAT scan, right. then I'm happy for the insurance company to go, you know what? It wasn't medically necessary. You made the doctor do it. Fair enough. Right. But but no, it's just, it's our system <laughs> Especially when you experience stuff in Europe is funny because, like I said, in France, the system's pretty good. The hospital was kind of scary. I mean, just because they're very run down. They look like something from the Soviet Union in the 1950s. They're just not in very good shape because they don't have the kind of crazy money we have. I remember going with my mom to the emergency room. And literally, it was this, you know, we got our own little room in the emergency room section. And it was beautifully decked out with paneling. And I mean, it looked very pretty. And we had a 42-inch flat screen TV. And I remember even saying, like, we're paying for a fucking flat screen TV. <laughs> I mean, this wasn't a room in the hospital. This was just the emergency room room they put us in for privacy right. with the doctor. It had a flat screen TV. I'm like, what is that even doing there? <laughs> you know, but and in France, we couldn't even have curtains on the window. It, it's really, you know, it, it's right. Whatever. Our, we have some strange priorities. We have strange power. priorities, but all right, you know what? We'll stop because we've been going over an hour and a half. And I want to take you longer, but also I don't want to, you know, it, it's hard with these topics because I do feel like you want to get into the details, but at the same time, so much of the basic stuff, you know, even the Obamacare stuff, I've got more Obamacare stuff I could tell you about looking into it with DC. For, for example, Charles and I were talking offline a couple of months ago because I was trying to understand how the Obamacare subsidy worked because, you know, money wasn't as great the last couple of years with COVID and stuff. And DC told me, oh, yeah, if you don't actually apply for the subsidy, we won't give it to you retroactively. Like under Obamacare, kind of cool, actually. If you work on your own, you don't know how much money you're making, Right. Oops, sorry. Oh, you, I thought you froze on me. You don't know how much money you're making. So it's hard to say how much subsidy you should get this year because maybe right. I'm going to make a lot this year. Maybe I'm not. I don't know month to month. And what they do is once your taxes come, they retroactively look back and say, OK, how much did you make last year? How much in subsidies did you or didn't you get? And if you didn't, we're going to make up the difference because clearly last year we should have subsidized you, but we didn't know because we didn't know your income. Well, D.C. told me, oh, no, no, no. If you have to actually apply and have us tell you how much you would get in subsidies for last year, and then we'll reconcile it at tax time. But if you didn't ask for that money early on, we're not going to give it to you retroactively. Well, guess what happens? I did my taxes. In fact, DC does look retroactively according to the taxes. They do. Good. So my ta well, according to my tax returns, according to my tax returns, totally made a difference. I ended up having to file different tax returns. The whole thing's a mess now. Like the, the IRS, I even got a letter saying, we are manually reviewing your return because I had to file two returns because I trusted DC. And then I went back and looked at my taxes and said, wait a minute. If I actually enter all this info, could I get a subsidy? I got a large subsidy last year because I trusted DC. I assumed I wouldn't be getting one when I talked to them on the phone. Again, this is, this stuff shouldn't be this hard, yeah. you know? And it's just, I mean, it, it's, and actually what I now realize too is there are a couple of years in the past where I probably would have gotten a subsidy, but my accountant didn't even think of it. You know what? If that, I, is, that pisses me off. I, I know we, I know we got to wrap this up. So no, I, no, just, you can, I just, I didn't want to sort of make you keep going on. No, no, no. I, I want to, I do want to throw just to your, to your listeners. Yeah. Uh, just a couple, couple of things. I just want to get out there. First yeah. of all, enroll enrollment has been reopened. I, hopefully you knew this already, but if you didn't, it has been reopened 
uh, because Obamacare of enrollment, sorry, because you got cut off again. So the ACA, you can enroll again right now. No, it's considered no. open season right now, even though normally it wouldn't be. Right. Um, both both because of COVID and also because right. of the expanded. Which also means you can change your plan in addition to just getting a new plan. Right. In most states, not in every okay. state. Ah, okay. In sorry. most states you can, there's a few where you can't. But right. uh, yeah, so if you're not, if you're uninsured or if you, you know, whatever, go to healthcare.gov in most states. I see you go to DC Health Link, whatever, uh, go to the, your ACA exchange and check it out. Even if you've applied before, like if you've checked it out a couple of years ago and you're like, oh man, no, I didn't qualify for subsidies. Guess what? You probably do now. And if you right. did before, but you said, well, okay, I get subsidies, but it's not, it's not that much. Guess what? Now it is. They have dramatically and, expanded it. And you know what? And, and let me sorry, but let me tell a quick point too. And what I finally realized that I didn't understand, if you work on your own or something, you have a job where you just don't know how much you're making each year. I never even applied for subsidies because I thought, A, I don't qualify, it. but B, I don't understand what, I don't want a subsidy and then I owe it back at tax time because I got 5,000 bucks and guess what? I made too much money. Now I owe it back. What you can do is, I actually did this. I went and I figured out how to do it on the website. I plugged in all my info and I'm thinking again, I'm thinking this is crazy. I'm just guesstimating, but okay. And it told me, yes, you would get X amount of money per month subsidy. And then it says, but it's not easy to understand because it didn't tell me immediately. I had to come back a week later. It said, do you want the money now month by month, or do you want to reconcile it at tax time? So what they mean is we can give you X amount per month now that actually goes to your insurance company to pay your premiums. But when tax time comes next April, we're going to look. And if you got too much money, you got to pay it back. Or you can say, you know what? Don't give me any of the money right now. Tax time, look backwards. And if you owe me money, great. So in other words, that's what if you can afford it, it's best to put it so that it looks back. But at least get in the system because now yeah. every time you do your taxes, it's and make sure you tell your accountant or yourself or whoever to look and put in the ACA info because you might actually get money back. Sorry, go on. What were you? No, no, I was, I was yeah. just going to say, yeah, you you have the you do have the choice of do you want it? It's that, that's what they're actually called advanced premium tax credits, APTC, advanced right. premium, and, and that's because most people, I think it's like something like 80, 90 percent of the people do take it month to month. Do uh, they? Okay, see, I'd be well, but it's because you have a real job though, right? Well, the, the the vast well the vast majority take it up front, but right. you don't have to. Like you said, you could just say, keep it all for now, yeah. and then when I file my taxes, and then basically just be just give yeah. me a big fat tax return. Oh, and let me tell you, uh, the other good thing with with the taxes again, I'm I'm like. What pisses me off, Charles, is I learned all of this a month ago. That kind of right. pisses me off. Like, I thought I was up to date on Obamacare because I'm on Obamacare and I care about healthcare policy. And even I didn't understand this stuff. Um, the other thing it does, and I had to Google this, if you might say, well, shit, I don't want to like wait until my taxes to reconcile because what if I don't, what if I'm not getting a rebate or something and then I don't get the credit? It's a credit, which means even if you pay, let's say you owe zero taxes this year because you know, you just don't make that much money, but you make enough to get the subsidy. Remember, if you don't make enough, you go on Medicaid. You make enough for the subsidy, but you don't really make enough to pay much in taxes. Let's say you get an $8,000 subsidy. They will give you $8,000 back, even though your taxes weren't even $8,000. So it's right. not a it's not a tax uh, refund. It's an actual credit, right. which means even if you didn't pay taxes, you get the money back yeah, it's because not, they're yeah. paying you back for your premium. I think one of the things that pe- a lot of people are probably neat. confused about is I think a lot of people think that it's a tax deduction. It yeah. is not a tax that you're not you're not subtracting this from your income. It is a as you said a tax 
credit. You well, and get again, that they're money. paying you. They're paying because I explained this to somebody else who said that sounds crazy. I said, no, 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 no. They're paying you back for the healthcare premiums you already paid. Exactly. So it's not like they're giving you more than you paid in taxes. This isn't a tax. This is you paid your you paid twelve thousand in premiums last year, and the calculation says you should have only paid six thousand. So they're going to give you six thousand back to pay for your premiums. So therefore, it makes sense you get more than your taxes because it's not a tax. Right. It just happens to be being run through the IRS. Through the taxes, exactly. But but it, what pisses me off is again, it's not really clear how this works. I am convinced I must have had a year previously where either my accountant didn't see it or or I was right at the cutoff because of the AGI and all the crazy stack stuff. And I probably could have figured out a way to lower my income just enough. There like are ways three, of doing that. Right, three thousand more dollars. There, there are ways of doing that involving, you know, like there are things like, uh, like IRAs and yeah, you know, put you, more into your IRA, right? There are ways of doing that where yeah. you can, where if you're at 50, you know, if, if the cutoff is 50,000 and you're at, you know, 50,000 and one, yeah. you know, where you could, put, yeah. you know, put a, put a thousand dollars into an IRA or something yeah. to get you just below that I, threshold. Can I just so, tell you, I just had a friend and his boyfriend, a friend and his husband actually in New York, and I was helping them. I called him when I had my ACA epiphany this last month, and I said, Okay, you need to look at your taxes and see if you and your husband spend because in his case, they I call he said, Oh no, we made too much. We're not getting the subsidy, or we're not getting much of a I think we're not even getting a subsidy. So I said, Okay, that changed this year. But the other thing you need to look at is if you put more into your IRA combined, how much savings will you get? Because you may find you get a lot more Obamacare. Well, what they found was if they put four thousand dollars more into their combined IRA as a couple, $4,000 more than they were gonna, they would get like $2,500 back. That is, you don't make that kind of money on an IRA contribution unless you're filthy rich. And even then you don't get that much money back. So he was like, holy shit. Cause he he thought, right. IRA contribution for most of us, maybe it saves you a thousand dollars. If you put 4,000 in, if you're lucky, you don't save two and a half thousand dollars. It's so that, so he did it actually his person, um, refiled their returns. And he was like, thank you. I just saved a couple grand. This also gets into the issue of American taxes about how (laughs) it's so hard to figure out your taxes. I finally started doing my own. Of course, I may pay the price this year because now the IRA is the IRA. The IRS is manually looking at my returns because I I had to send a second return in because I learned something. But, you know, I didn't cheat. So I'm happy to talk to the guy. But but if you learn it, you start to see all these crazy little things like the Obamacare cutoffs and the subsidies and blah, 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 that you can get that your accountant may not even know about. But how screwed up is our system overall that you even have to learn all these little details or you don't get yep. it? Yep. Horrible. I agree. And again, I agree. my friend and his husband would have missed out because they just they thought, you know, it's really going to be hard to put more money into our IRA this year. But what do you know? When they put it in, they got so much back, it almost didn't even matter. I, I've had I, I've I've had a few situations like what you described where like they literally put a thousand dollars you know by by lowering their income by their their yeah. official income by a thousand dollars they got like ten grand in well, subsidies and let they me tell you what else happens by raising your income I did all these calculations on my uh, on my TurboTax by raising your income and by the way one of the totally legal ways you can raise your income on your taxes don't take as much of a deduction for your IRA. Mm-hmm. Right. If you put twenty thousand, let's say you made forty thousand last year, haha, taxable income forty thousand, and you put twenty thousand in your IRA. Well, now you only have twenty thousand taxable income, right? Right. 
Right. You, you, the dog is growling at because her blanket fell off. This is cute. Um, uh, what if, like, if, if your income goes so low that now you're at Medicaid level, you won't get Obamacare premiums. Well, if you're at the Medicaid level and you don't get Obamacare premiums, all you have to do is not all put less into your IRA. And now your income goes up. And what happens? Now you make enough money that you do get Obamacare premiums. So by putting less money into your IRA, where normally your taxes would go up, your taxes could drop precipitously because now you've raised your... So in other words, you can really not play games. You can adjust your IRA contributions up and down depending where your income is. And that as well can affect how much money you get back in Obamacare and things that nobody... That again, I didn't even know this until a month ago. And I'm not... Well, well, then, then some other time I'll have to some other time I'll have to tell you about uh, the medical loss ratio rebate checks. Okay, <laughs> it is a whole other thing. Yeah. <laughs> well, but it's, and honestly, you know, we can make a lot of money doing tax consulting on this, but it shouldn't be this hard. No. People should it should be easy where people know and they go, oh yeah, when you do your taxes, make sure you look at X, Y, and Z. And if you don't qualify, like my accountant never said to me, well, if you don't qualify, you know, maybe you could put a little more into your IRA because you get a lot back. I could have done that if I knew, or honestly, I could have even called mom or something. I don't know. I mean, if I had to and said, mom, can you lend me $3,000? Now that's unique and not a lot of people can call mom for 3,000, but some can. I mean, but it wasn't even an option because my accountant didn't think of it because none of us knew about this. Even my accountant didn't know about it. I mean, accountants are the worst, honestly. I think a lot of them are just there to kind of plug it into TurboTax for you. And they don't even think of these things we're talking about, which again is why I think, I've learned over the years, it's important to sort of learn how to do your tax. Even if your accountant does it, do your taxes on your own computer, on your own TurboTax or whatever system you use, because, you know, because you can actually play with the numbers yourself and start to go, hey, wait a minute. You know, if I did this and this, and the, again, we're talking IRA contributions. We're not talking crazy, quasi illegal tax stuff. <laughs> we're talking literally just, you know, if I buy my computer this year and get a deduction versus next year, if I put more into my IRA, if I put less into my IRA, how does it affect my taxes? That's basic tax stuff, but most of us can't do it because you don't want to ask your accountant, could you run 10 scenarios? I feel bad and just going to charge me. <laughs> All right, we're going to go. This has been, we may, we may be heading towards our longest podcast yet. So um, really interesting. Thank you. I mean, I, I just, this stuff is so, it's so heady. Um, so what's your, sorry, final point then. What is your prediction for what you think is going to happen with the Obamacare Supreme Court case? You think their decision is going to be, I think I saw on the website, but. I, I am cautiously optimistic um, only because I heard the, you know, I listened to the oral arguments last November and it's it sounded at the time like even Brett Kavanaugh and and you know doesn't Alito uh, even they sounded pretty skeptical like it sounded pretty good like 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 the the law is on pretty good ground but right. you know who the hell knows um, of striking the whole thing down skeptically you mean okay right I, my my suspicion okay. is uh, that they will either uh, that at worst they would snip out the mandate language itself. Right. Which again would be the status quo essentially, um, right. which right. would be fine, you know, for for me. Um, I prefer that they just throw the whole thing out, but they, you know, uh, but there is the, there is still always the possibility. There's a small chance that yeah, they may actually, and 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 things could get ugly. So be on the lookout right. for that. Uh, sometime in the next two months is, is you know every few days because the Supreme Court they don't announce ahead of time. They'll say on this day we will be issuing decisions. Right. They don't say what cases right. until they do, though. So it's always right, like right, right. sort of Damocles dangling over everyone's head. Right. So um, keep it, keep your eye out for that. Okay. 
Um, and uh, like I said, if you're not covered, get covered. If you're already covered, go back in and take a look because you may be eligible for a better deal or for better right. subsidies or whatever. And um, and the other yeah, the other big thing to be able to look out for is as we go into the summer and early fall, is keep an eye out on those three sort of buckets uh, that that they're of 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 you know expanding medicare aca 2.0 and then what to do about the medicaid gap those to, to me right. those are like the three biggest things right. and they're sort of squabbling over well can we do all three can we do only do one can we do two can we do all three of them um is it the usual is mansion the problem in cinema or what's the or is it other people um well to some degree but honestly the main they're gonna have to pay for all of it of course right unlike the unlike the uh the rescue plans yeah you know, they didn't here they have to pay for, which I'm I'm all for paying for, right? right? But the thing is, the main source of funding for that, as I understand, is supposed to be uh HR3, the the uh the medic the Medicare uh prescription drug, you know, the, the drug negotiation bill, right? Right, right. Which is supposed to, if they're able to pass that, it's right. supposed to save something like four hundred and fifty billion dollars. Oh, Jesus, okay. That's the largest single bucket right. of money that they have. So the thing is, well, how this much is will it cost? <laughs> You know, and that's another that's another scam, by the way, which is uh, under yeah, American law, under American law, Medicare is not allowed to negotiate price. They're not allowed to use their market power and say we represent what forty million seniors or is it is it eighty million? What is it? Uh, like fifty five, yeah. Okay, we represent fifty five million seniors in our health plan, and we're going to negotiate prices based upon those fifty. If you want access to those fifty five million, big pharma, you know Glaxo Smith Klein or whatever, we want you to negotiate the cost of your erectile dysfunction drug or whatever the hell it is, right? And under American law, that's forbidden. We don't allow Medicare to negotiate prices because obviously some scam artist years ago paid off both parties. I think it was probably both and got members of Congress to agree. Yeah, we don't want to, we, we don't want drug companies to lose money. So let's ban the U.S. government basically from negotiating a better price. Right, Absolutely. I mean, people hear that and they go, you've got to be kidding me. So that's, yeah, so that's, that's HR3. That should be easy to pass, uh, really, because we well, one would, one would hope. What you think? Yeah. If they're able to pass that, then they'll have about four hundred fifty billion to work with. And right. the question, and the thing is, expanding expanding Medicare the way that you know, like Bernie Sanders wants to do. Right. Uh, let's say that that would cost, you know, that would cost four hundred billion. <clears throat> ACA right. 2.0, making the subsidy expansion permanent, and then beefing up some other, you know, some other stuff right. in ACA that might cost, you know, three hundred fifty billion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, solving the Medicaid gap issue, maybe right. that'll cost a couple hundred. So the thing is, if you've got a trillion dollars, yeah, yeah, yeah. Free, well, we've got half the money. So we either come up with the other half, or or we, you know, we kick one, we cut out one of those, or or they just do partial for each. You know, maybe yeah. they maybe they partially expand. Medicare. Or we just act like Republicans and we lie and we say, you know well, what? <laughs> when we if we pass all three, the economy is going to grow so much it's going to pay for itself. Yeah, well, and you just freaking lie. I mean, I, I mean, I, I'm joking crazy. because I actually think fun. we do have to this be responsible, called, but it drives me nuts. This is called fun with CBO scores. You know, yeah, you know? all they do is lie every time. Remember, it, oh, the tax cut will pay for itself every freaking time they say that, and it's a lie. Yeah. And then, and then we come to power, and we've got to figure out their budget deficit. It drives me nuts. You know, and then we've got to talk just this about, well, which of our of our must pass proposals on health care do we have to give up because the Republicans squandered the freaking budget? You know, anyway, it annoys me. 
All right, we're heading towards two hours, Charles. Let's call it quits, or we're going to like right. do this as an all-day telethon. All right, thank you so much. We probably will get you back probably when uh, if Obamacare, uh, what, well, whatever happens on the Obamacare Supreme Court decision, we'll yeah. get you back and we'll talk about that probably. And uh, yeah, this is great. Thank you. This was really okay. great. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay, thank you.